Andrew. Hey, Greg. How's it going? It's going. Been a Go. while. It has. I know. I uh, um, well, I had some health issues yeah. since the last time we talked. Yeah. Uh, to, um, to quickly summarize that, uh, don't ever get kidney stones. <laughs> uh, don't ever do that. It's a bad idea. It's not fun. And uh, the um, and there's no cool way to get out of kidney stones. Uh, I kind of thought that uh, getting the surgery was going to be easier than passing them. Uh, It ain't. So, you know, pro tip, don't get kidney stones. Told you to stop eating all that candy, Greg. Number one, I don't think you did. Number two, (laughs) um, death first. (laughs) <laughs> number three uh it was really a hydration issue for me mm. but uh yeah that's my that's my tip so that that kind of put a damper on uh my spring and a good chunk of the summer uh it's a shitty shitty situation um but drink all your water, kids like, yeah drink your water uh and i would say uh my learning is um if your pee is ever a shade darker than really watered down lemonade you should you should you should fix that that's your warning sign not what i previously thought was uh the warning sign for dehydration which was more of maybe a motor oil type shade uh (laughs) yeah you really want to you want to set your set your warning signs a little earlier than i was setting them yeah i uh i realized that i one of my sort of like i don't know like just not a nervous habit I guess more it was not nervous. It's just a habit is I just like drink, just like pick the glass. It's like the the, the action, you know, picking the glass mm-hmm. up. And so I stay pretty well hydrated. The problem where that gets into issues is when I'm drinking alcohol and then the habit is like, oh, I just drank eight beers. Whoops. Hmm. Um, but usually my pee is a nice, solid, light, very, very faint yellow to white. Clear. That's not white, the way to clear. be. That's the way to be. Um, and, uh, yeah, once you got them, there's no, there's no good out. There's no, there's no good exit. There's, there's either the, you pass them on your own, which means you have the intense pain just in your back at various random points, uh, before you pass them. And then the passing them, which is just the, the waiting game of every time you have to pee, not knowing if this is the one that's going to be the worst pain of your life. (laughs) Uh, so that's option one. Option two is surgery, which, um... The surgery itself is relatively uh, fine, but um, there is recovery and follow up, which is uh, absolute agony. Um, I, I, I won't get into any further, but yes, don't get kidney stones because once you got them, there is there is no there is no good good end of that story. I really wish they could have done. What's that, what's that movie called where they shrink you down? They shrink down the people that go into the body. I wish they could have done that for me. And I could have like been in a little nano submarine. I could have gone in and blasted those things in your kidneys. Yeah, I think they still would have had to put the stent into me, which oh. uh, for the recovery, which is the. Uh, yeah, that's that's the problem. It's a real problem. That sucks. Yeah. Going to give a uh, hard pass on that one. Yeah, because it goes out the way it came in. Uh, and while it's in there it's no it's it's no fucking picnic either anyway let's stop talking about kidney stones and start talking about interesting things that we've done since the last time we talked yeah we have a backlog for sure uh where would you like to start greg 
I think your list is probably longer than my list. So why don't you grab something from your list that, you know, how, how you spent your summer vacation? <laughs> how I spent my summer vacation. Um, yeah, so uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. I'm going to do one or two small things. I'm going to do like a big thing, maybe back to some small things. How's that sound? I, I, it really depends on the things, but jump in. <laughs> so I have been watching recently. I'm not even done with the first season yet, but I, I feel strong enough about it that I'm into it. Is the Harley Quinn show on HBO Max, mm-hmm. formerly DC Universe show. Uh, thank God that's not a thing anymore. Um, first episode I watched, I was like, okay, I get it. It's, you know, a, a adult animated show that they're really into the fact that they can say fuck mm-hmm. and have blood. And I was like, I mean, that's not really novel anymore. We've been doing this for like 30 years, um, 20 years maybe. And, but every episode I watched, I'm like, this is getting better and better. The characters they're introducing are very funny. The voice acting is great. Uh, the animation is pretty good. And that sort of like the fact that it's very, you know, uh, DC animated universe, mm-hmm. you know, Batman animated series style, but adult, which is kind of fun. And especially compared to MODOK, which I watched most of the first season, but not all of mm-hmm. on Hulu. And I was like, this is a better version of that because mm-hmm. it's actually like making jokes about the DC universe and playing with it and enjoying the fact that it is in the DC universe and some of its lowbrow and some of it's highbrow, and some of it's referential, and a good mix of everything, and it's just much better. Whereas Modoc's more just like, this is just a worse robot chicken, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I like everyone involved with it, it just didn't come out, at least as far as I got. Good. Yeah, I had a similar, um, I had a similar, um, similar read on the Modoc show. Um, I, uh, I guess the way I'd put it was, I feel like the, the, the concept behind the Modoc show, um, or just like the general vibe, the general, um, uh, you know, kind of like, what if it's a workplace comedy kind of, but the workplace is a supervillain layer, you know, like that kind mm-hmm. of idea, uh, is, I feel like was done much better on Venture Brothers mm-hmm. and, um, and like you say, but then the animation just felt like a total ripoff of robot chicken so i'm like what it, it it's just a shadow of better shows i guess you could say yeah i would agree but um but yeah um all the characters in harley quinn are are outrageous in their own ways and um like i said the the voice cast is great yeah uh, i really like lake bell as poison ivy he does fantastic job and um yeah i would recommend it it's fun and I, apparently from what everything i've read is that the second season is just as good if not better I'm going to continue with that. Yeah, that's something I feel like I, 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 I've been meaning to check out. It's a nice 20 minute, just like throw it on when you're in between, you know, a chore or two. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. I mean, even I was watching it and even Shay sat down and this is someone who has one, no interest in anime, like adult animated shows or cartoons two no interest in no interest in the DC universe. And three, some of the humor is probably a little bit, you know, and the, the goriness of it is probably a little bit much for her. Even she was like giggling at some of it. So that tells you the reach that it has. Hmm. Um, I mean, some of the jokes are as simple as like just whenever Batman shows up, Harley Quinn just like leans over the nearest person and goes, yo, he fucks bats. And like for some reason, it just like gets funnier and funnier every time she does it, <laughs> including at one point when she gets accidentally teleported into the Batcave and she goes, oh, this is where he fucks the bats. And like. It just really knows what it is uh, as it goes, and uh, it just makes me laugh. So, 
Good. Uh, Clay, Clay, Clayface is my favorite character um, by far. Hmm. Fantastic. Um, although King Shark is moving up, which is a very different King Shark than the King Shark portrayed in the Suicide Squad. Hold, hold on. Hold on. We'll get there. Um, Keep your powder dry. Yeah. And I feel like we'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Black Widow since you didn't watch it. No, and I don't think I will. And this is, I think, only the second MCU movie we haven't, like, discussed after, like, we didn't both see it and then discuss. I think you didn't see Ant-Man and the Wasp either. Uh, n- no, I did see Ant-Man and the, well, not, I, not at the time. I think I, I watched it on Netflix or something at some point, but, mm. right, right, right. Got it. So, yeah, um, I saw it, and it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like that's the conclusion most of America reached. I don't know. See, a lot of people were like, oh, I really liked it. And I'm just like, but did you like, did we really like I'll put it in this category of just like the the caveat that like the worst MCU movie is still like a decent movie. Thor 2. I still think that's a decent movie. (laughs) Um, A lot of people will say Hulk is bad. I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember liking it, but that was 10 years ago or whatever at this point. So longer. Um, So, yeah, uh, the first two thirds of the movie are, are pretty solid, I'd say. There's a really, it's, you ever got the thing where like you feel like there's two different action like directors? Like mm-hmm. some of the action scenes are really cool and good, and others aren't. There's a mm-hmm. little bit of that going on. The performances mm-hmm. were amazing. I mean, that that carried the, the performance, the casting performances, the chemistry between, you know, David Harbour and Florence Pugh, and, you know, um, blanking on the, the mother's quote unquote mother's name. And then, um, of course, Scarlet, like, it was just really like the family bro- broken family dynamic is really cool. The setup to the movie was really cool. Um, but man, that third act was bad. Just like way off the rails, just not clever. They actually did like a whole scene that was right out of the comics. And it was like dumb in the comics and even dumber in the in the movie. And Taskmaster was boring and bad and a waste. And it's not because it was a woman <laughs> fucking people on the internet it was because it was a bad character um there's just so many things they could have done to make it better that they didn't i also think that i was listening to which i'll give a brief plug for i've been listening to the brandon sanderson podcast mm-hmm. where him and another fantasy author uh just like basically he just spends all of his downtime signing pages for his you know signed copies of his books mm-hmm and he decided to, like, you know, in typical fashion, like, double down on his time and just record a podcast while he does that with another guy. Right. It's actually a very similar vibe to our podcast, except just much more Mormon. So you're saying he's a listener. <laughs> yes, I think so. Um, also, eerily, like, maybe unsurprisingly, but eerily just, like, shares a lot of opinions that I have. Hmm. About specific things, like just like he'll be talking about something and I'll just be like, I'll just be like hearing my thoughts come out. I'm just like, oh, that's creepy. Uh, and his co-host is a little more of like, I would say, grumpy. So they kind of have a similar uh, uh-huh. dynamic to us, which is. So also you're saying we should sue. Yeah, we should sue. <laughs> He's got a lot of money to take. So, <laughs> yeah, I figured. And he seems um, like a nice guy. Yeah. No, he's too nice, actually. Um, mm-hmm. So see, see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe he just settled out of court. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he, they, they reviewed it and, and they said that the timing of it is just bad. Like if this would have came out when it was supposed to have come out, like, cause it takes place immediately post civil war. Like it probably would have been a lot mm-hmm. more impactful and better, but right now it just kind of feels kind of thrown together at a random point And then here it is. Right. Like we've, we've 
like uh, is, uh, the story and these characters have have moved on so far. And also, it's not like we're at a point in the um, in the broader Marvel narrative where like there is, you know, where we're, there's in, unanswered questions that you could maybe throw out in this movie. Like, what is what in here ca- can I possibly care about? All these characters are dead. Yeah, more or and, less. And anything that happens in here doesn't really shed any light on anything in the larger continuity that's impactful, you know? Yep. I mean, the the only kind of things it does is it introduces some new characters that, you know, like, it's very obvious that Florence Pugh's Yelena is going to play. It's going to be the new Black Widow. And it sounds like people like David Harbour's Red Guardian enough that he might prop up again at some point. Sure. But like, it's not... Nothing crazy. And the only right. thing it actually sets up, like, as far as teeing up the next thing is like, you know, spoiler, but the post credit scene has Yelena talking to Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character. Uh, and she basically like is like, kill Hawkeye because I said so. Yep, so that's the it. Hawkeye show. And it's Please. like, OK, so I guess she's going to be in that, which is coming out in November, I believe. Greg's Greg's on the edge of his seat for that one. Can't. Yeah. Wait. Um, however, she was great, though. I, she, oh, yeah. she was the best part of the movie. She's great. Um, she's she very, very, very funny. Whatever you put her in, she's great. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it, it actually is kind of it, like I said. There's a, there's a lot of just like one else again, like just some good ideas and some missed opportunities in it, which is a shame. Um, the main villain, just the main the macro storyline, is just like I just don't care. Like yeah. none of this matters to me. And they didn't make they didn't try to make you care really. You care a lot about like the interpersonal relationships, but even that they didn't really like do anything with. Kind of the WandaVision thing where like they put it all on the table, kind of just like eh. Nice. And then like move on to like explosions and mm-hmm. whatever. So I put it towards the bottom of all the MCU movies for me. Uh, yeah. I did a ranking recently. I put it pretty down there pretty low. So disappointing. But, you know, it is what it is. We did watch Loki, though. We did. We we both watched the Loki program. What did you think of the Loki program? Um, I enjoyed I enjoyed Loki while I was watching it. Um, but, (laughs) um, as I was making my list of things, I kind of forgot about Loki. Yeah. Like, uh, so I feel like the the show itself, performances were good. Uh, the visual design, very good. Um, but throughout all of it, it's kind of like, why do I care about this? And, um... I think that it, 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 and, and this is, you know, so much of the MCU stuff suffers from this of like, it just doesn't feel like it was its own thing. It felt like an extended riff on just like setting up some mechanics and some characters for other stuff I might watch someday, you know? Um, like I feel like it didn't really, it didn't really have an, like none of the characters really had arcs that were really satisfyingly like developed. Um, I mean, Enchantress kind of had an arc. Like how you just call her Enchantress. Yeah. Uh, what what did they name her in the show? Sylvie, right? Sylvie. Mm-hmm. Sylvie. Um, Loke she. Um, you know, it was it was kind of there, but her motivation was never fully established. It's just like I want revenge because reasons, and you're like, okay, fine. Um, and then which. You know, even if they did a better job of setting that up, they still need to do a little bit more of a job of like setting up in the in the end why I should be conflicted about whether or not she gets her revenge. Right. That Mm -hmm. whole part felt kind of rushed. 
Yeah. Um, and why it was important to Loki to stop her from getting her revenge, right? Like, what does it mean for his character to, you know, to do this? Other than, I mean, it kind of makes sense that like, but that's what I'm talking about. Like, I without getting into the full details, it's just all of these things feel underdeveloped in service of getting us to the multiverse is breaking and here's the new big bad. And it's like, well, one, you didn't really set up how the multiverse works, you know, because like on one hand, um, they kind of set up that like the multiverse is what I'll call back to the future rules, which is branching timelines. Um, and you know, these branching timelines all kind of branch off from these nexus events, right? You know, some, some historical event that goes differently, but then also it's, uh, these, this idea of like stacked multiverses, which are all running in parallel to each other, which is a slightly different thing. But both of these things kind of have kind of important consequences. And the whole show is set up like if the timelines break too much, it's going to be bad. Okay, well, why is it bad? Because the bosses of the TSA say it's bad. Okay, great. Come episode two. Maybe you shouldn't trust the bosses of the TSA. It's not TSA. What is it? TVA? <laughs> TVA. Right? I like that it's the TSA, though. Yeah. So, like, don't trust them because they're probably pretty sinister. And it's like, okay, so if I'm not supposed to trust them, but you're telling me that, like, it'll be bad if the timelines get bad. But the only source of truth on that is the guys, you know, who I'm not supposed to trust what am I what am I worried about in this show? What are the stakes here? D- do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's little things like that that just led the whole thing to kind of a feeling of incompleteness for me. I'm just like, what? Why do I care about if the timelines get screwed up? I don't. That's yeah. The show just didn't. I feel like it didn't. Not enough setup. Not enough payoff. And then we get to the end and the whole conflict of the show is basically set up and resolved in about five minutes, <laughs> which didn't feel right to me. Yeah. I mean, I guess the answer is right to your question of like, why does it matter is because apparently, you know, big bad Mr. Kang is going to come fuck shit up if there's a multiverse. But that puts a lot of the show stakes on like one reveal at the very end of the show, to your point. Right. It was. I mean, and 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 look, I'm not saying I don't want to I don't want to cite Game of Thrones as an alternative here. Oof. But like, imagine it like, but Game of Thrones, you know, uh, sets up in episode one or chapter one. Hey, there are there are horrible ice zombie wizards that want to kill everything and everyone. That seems bad. Oh, (laughs) but also there are some humans that are pretty shitty as well. And they're pretty distracted to deal with the ice zombies. So you're like, okay, fine. This would be like if. You watched all of Game of Thrones. Let's let's not watch. You read it all. And then in like the last chapter of the last book, they're like, oh, by the way. So there are these ice zombies. Um, Trust me, they're very bad. Should we stop them or not? Okay, I guess we stopped them. Thanks for reading, everybody. Like, that's that's the kind of thing. You know, it's like, why should I be afraid of Kang other than Kang, who's a space weirdo I just met, told me I should maybe be worried about Kang. Right. Okay. Okay. thanks. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things where I'm willing to like 
being that it is going to be a multi-season show as opposed to the other ones so far, like I'm like, okay, maybe we'll get more. But I think this, and I get it, they're trying to stay like pointed and tight, like with these six episode, you know, shows. Yeah. But I feel like maybe eight would have been better. And if you would have like done some foreshadowing, a little bit more development in some areas, like we could have had like a more, I don't know, like compelling arcs for some people. Loki's a tough one to take on an arc, which is why having him be the main character in a show is rough. And introducing Sylvie was a good idea in that way. Yeah. But and also having some other compelling side characters. But I also feel like, you know, I was really curious what was and exactly what would happen happen. It was like, well, this is the Loki we saw, you know, immediately post Avengers one. Right. So he's still like, ah, I'm evil, blah, um, as opposed to all the development we saw over the course of other movies. All of the other times he was good and then evil and then good and then evil. Right. But he's had a somewhat, you know, that right. slight, slight redemption arc over the MCU's timeline a little bit, or at least a complexity arc where it's just like, oh, OK, so he's not just like evil for evil's sake. He cares about some people and, you know, he can kind of bounce back and forth a little bit. And then it's just like, OK, well, we'll just show him his life and that'll just basically bring him to where we want him to be. Right. And it's like, OK, well, that's a little bit lazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense, but it's also lazy. Yeah. And it doesn't quite get get me to. Oh, Turns out he's been a jerk this whole time. Yeah, we know. What changed about him that now he cares? Like, he was there for all that stuff that he did, right? Why does all of a sudden now he feel bad about it? What changed? Don't worry about that, you know? It's not like he forgot. Well, I guess in this, I mean, he was seeing stuff that hadn't happened to him yet, right? When he was watching it, you know, when they showed him his life, because he left, you know, when he grabbed, this is the Loki that grabbed the Tesseract at the end of Avengers, right? And Right. Um, left so he didn't have what happened to him in dark world and in ragnarok and in and seeing him die i mean those scenes were well done like watching himself die was like yeah you know pretty interesting uh but wouldn't then but 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 that all of that didn't set up like oh he's seen the real suffering that all of his actions have caused right um or something it's just like hey if if you keep going on your on on your current path that big purple guy is gonna kill you yeah, that's fair. Even though, like, I kind of feel like you're Loki and you've probably died a couple times before. And wouldn't the Loki we know, like, be more like what old Loki said was like, yeah, I just like trickstered my way out of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm Loki. Like, wouldn't he just be like, oh, OK, I see that's coming. So I'll now I've got a couple years to plan around it. Right. Wouldn't that be what the Loki we know, how he would respond to that information? It's just it's just kind of muddled and. Like, I don't I don't have a way to do it better. I'm just saying that there was definitely somebody smarter than me certainly could have come up with a way to do it a little bit better and, and make me a little bit more interested in the arc. Yeah, it just I don't know. It feels like with a lot of this Marvel stuff, it's kind of like saying like it's kind of just being like, eh, look, you guys know what we're trying to do here. So, uh, you know, pew, pew, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I will I say like it was the more... too much for granted. Yeah, I, I could see that. I will say um, I think it was the the most consistent of the shows so far. Uh, uh, as far oh, as like, for sure. you know, sticking a, a landing of some kind and, you know, focusing on, on certain things and, and kind of at least somewhat paying off on a little bit of what you said. Oh, yeah. Don't no, do this it was well. this was better than um, this was much better than WandaVision because this was like, OK, you guys like you. There's definitely something you're trying to do here. You definitely missed a couple steps, but like this, this is this is all mostly on target. Whereas WandaVision, it was more like, hey, we have no idea about what this is supposed to be. 
uh, it's just a big mess. I don't know. Watch it. You know, <laughs> where like I can say, OK, here's what Loki was going for. Didn't quite get there, but you get the idea. I still couldn't tell you what the hell WandaVision was going for. It's yeah. about grief, Greg. Yeah, sure it is. Well, you can say it, but you have to capitalize right, on it. Right, right. <laughs> you have to actually kind of like try. Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm curious to see what happens next. I am excited for Kang, though. He was pretty cool. Yeah. like I'm excited th- to see that that guy do eight different versions of this character in different ways and like and, and for that. Yes. I like I conceptually. I like the idea of Kang. I like that performance. I'm interested in where this is going. Um, but it's going to be hard to top what they did with Thanos as the big bad, you know, and that's because Thanos got basically a whole movie to set himself up. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if we're going to see more of, you know, Kang like throughout a number of movies, you know, I mean, I know he's already in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, that's when he's originally announced, but I'm wondering if we don't get a little speck of him in like, you know, Doctor Strange or Spider-Man or just like he just starts kind of popping up places or versions of him start popping up places and yeah it's a thing but um, i think that's for sure i i think you'll see yeah um and 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 if they're if they're clever it'll be like oh this is you know but well but also i don't know because i don't know how the multiverse works this still has not been made clear to me like yeah. because does that mean that all of our characters are all going to be encountering the same version of Kra- of of Krang, Krang <laughs> of Kang from now on, right? Like, um, is or is it going to be that? Because logically, that's the way it should work because they're all in the same universe. Um, so it shouldn't be that like, oh, you know that you know in the next Spider Man he's going to encounter a, a a lawyer, right? And that lawyer is also Kang, but doesn't reveal himself to be Kang. He's you know what I mean. It's, mm-hmm. it's a cameo and we all know, oh, that's him. But then, you know, uh, Shang-Chi encounters a different one. I don't know, because they have not made clear how the multiverse works. Right. Like, you know, whatever nexus, because he's from what 31st century is like his, you know, funny, yeah. like his nexus event should be beyond anything that we're dealing with. Right. right. So the versions of him would be different down the road, potentially. But I guess it all have to go through. Time travel and, and multiverse shenanigans, but um, yeah, I'm really curious. I don't know how much they're gonna try and get into the weeds, or just be like da da da, da and like you said, like just kind of just just go with us. So I imagine yeah. I, mean, I just watched the first episode of What If? Did you watch it? No. Um, I will say that if you're gonna do a 30 minute animated show, I don't think a weekly release is like necessarily justified. Yeah, especially but, one where it's like eh, none of this matters. It's all just kind of exactly multiverse nonsense. Um, it was pretty fun. Uh, definitely is. I like, um, God, what's the guy's name who plays the watcher? He was the, it's one of the main guys in Westworld. Jeffrey Wright. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. He does a good job of narrating. He plays the watcher and wasn't fun little he, setup. Wasn't what, just, he in a Marvel movie? No, you were thinking of Lawrence Fishburne, I think. No, I could have sworn Jeffrey Wright was. I don't believe so, but. No, right. you know what? I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of him in the, uh, James Bond movies. As oh. Felix Leiter. That's what it yeah. is. Um, so, I mean, uh, it was fun. It seems like it doesn't matter, but... Yeah, have they? Are, are they doing a through line at all? I'm not sure they're doing a single through line, but I think there will be some connection uh, because it seemed like... This is kind of a spoiler, but it seemed like there is a brief hint that... I don't know much about this character because I'm, it's not the area of the Marvel universe that I'm familiar with, but people think that the end kind of had a reference to Shuma Goroth. Hmm. Um, 
And I think, you know, that's kind of like a multiversal threat, I guess. Uh, I think might be a through line in this that might show up elsewhere. So so a different one eyed uh, space starfish. Correct. <laughs> More like a space squid, I guess, in this case. But um, sure, 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 sure. Uh, but it was fun, though. I mean, like the animation style is really interesting. It's different. Uh, I don't love the way it works for people's faces and dialogue, mm-hmm. but everything else, it looks gorgeous, like action scenes and, and stuff. So, um so, yeah, yeah I've oh. said this. I've said this before. The lower, the lower fidelity your animation is on faces, the less you can rely on standard Hollywood screen actors. And yeah. I feel like this animation style is too low res. Right? There's not as much detail on the faces, so yeah. you kind of need, you know, a more like serious voice actor to be able to convey more just through the voice, so that it, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, it is cool they get so many people in it that, you know, it's a it's one thing that's cool, I think, just more broadly thinking about both CGI characters, but also animated stuff, thinking about Invincible, thinking about Harley Quinn, just like all Mm -hmm. these big name actors, you know, doing animation work and not having it be like, you know, they seem to be interested in it. It's not just like a paycheck for some of it, as I'm sure it is. But, you know, uh, it's, it's cool. And in the case of Harley Quinn, it's kind of... And is it Margot Robbie doing the voice? Did no, you it's that? not. It's Kaylee okay. Coco, actually, which is different, but... Um, that is weird. Yeah, she does a really great job. I mean, it's I a very would... different Harley Quinn than... You know, you know, for so long, it was like, Harley Quinn is Tara Strong, right? Like, right. that was, like, the voice, and it was always going to be that voice, but so her to do something different, which is also different from how Margot Robbie plays her, so... Uh, um, yeah, but, like, they're all kind of... I mean, Margot Robbie's drawn pretty heavily on... True. It's all, a, it's all a, which makes a sense because the character was invented for that show. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? It's not like there's another version of Harley Quinn that predates Tara Strong. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll see where it goes. Um, are you going to go see Shang-Chi? I don't think I will. OK. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just that, like, I don't know, the uh, the vibe of going to the movies right now is not as carefree as it was a month or two ago. Fair. So, uh, Shang-Chi doesn't feel like the kind of movie I want to get stressed out going to a theater <laughs> for. You know what I mean? That's, that's reasonable. Uh, yeah. I mean, they'll stream it, right? Is there, are they going to stream it on Disney Plus or is it? No. Uh, uh, oh, really? Yeah. Well, then, sorry. Sorry, boys. <laughs> um, Kung Fu doesn't look good enough for me to, to take that risk. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know how it is. Um, unless something like dramatically changes in my area when it comes yeah. to COVID. But for now, it's like, I feel OK about it. Um, well, cool. I wanted to just briefly bring up something way off topic. Mm-hmm. I watched that Woodstock 99 documentary. Did you watch this? I, I haven't watched it, but uh, many of the podcasts I've listened, I listened to <laughs> have <laughs> and uh, have, have have some pretty consistent takes. But tell me yours. It was it's it was very zeitgeisty, like two or three weeks ago. So um, I had known a little bit about it just because they cover it in, you know, Sam Dunn, he did the metal evolution series. Yeah. The new metal episode, he talks a bit about it. Um, and that was my first exposure. Cause I was like, and you know, and not into this, not into that scene when this went down. Um, so I had no memory of it, recollection of it. And I knew it was like, Oh, some bad shit happened. Maybe, you know, it was just limp biscuit being bad or whatever, but It was very interesting. I liked that they, you know, talked kind of a lot about how, like, we have this idyllic view of original Woodstock Mm -hmm. and how it was like, it was kind of fucked up and like Mm -hmm. a lot of bad shit went down. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not so off brand. Uh, It was just weird hearing the promoters just so just like out of touch, just like 
well, we tried to do something that was for the new generation, which we don't really understand, but this is what people wanted, and we gave it to them, and it's just so aggressive, and it just burned the place to the ground. And it's like, dude, all these bands play like 30 or 40 festivals a year, and they don't get burned to the ground. <laughs> so clearly there's some other context at work here. Well, um, yeah, and you know, from what I've heard, that like the a big part of the problem was that the promoters, like... You know, like they that the a lot of choices the promoters made, you know, led to a a miserable environment where people were, you know, um, hot and tired and thirsty. And um, yeah, they paint a really good picture in documentary. It's long. It's like two hours. So strap in. But um, it it the one thing I did appreciate what they, they didn't particularly come off as just like. Look at these greedy capitalists with this, you know, or like there's no like kind of smoking gun that like, oh, this is just them trying to like make a shit ton of money. Mm -hmm. You know, it just seems like it was a lot of like a collection of many bad small choices that like made a perfect storm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the documentary kind of tries to trace a through line to like white rage. Yeah. uh, Which is interesting. Um, It feels a little reachy to me. I felt a little similar. I can see it because I'm just like, well, you're doing the math. And a bunch of 18, 17, 18, 20 year olds in 1999, well, they'd be about, you know, 40 now, 45. And who'd they vote for again? I could see, you know, like, what's their take on politics? But, you know, and this whole idea that, like, Gen X doesn't have, like, anything to be mad about. So they did this. It's just like there's a couple of things just like I'm not really sure I buy that. Yeah. But also um, like, you know, a lot of Dave Matthews fans voted for Trump, too. Well, yeah. And he was and there. a lot of and a lot of corn fans voted for voted for Clinton. I, totally. You know, totally. Um, uh, it's when you're talking about like, oh, these are some of the most popular bands in the world at the time. Right. Like you're going to be able to find good and bad people in that. That's a big fucking group. Right. Yeah. Now, if it was something like, you I know, mean, there were almost 400,000 people there. Like, yes, which is like, insane. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Limp Bizkit and Korn, they were they were like the two biggest rock bands in the world. Like, it's not you know, it's not like it was, you know, uh, you know, specifically fans of Dark Throne that you know, <laughs> right, 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 right. like you could point to some small band who, you know, uh, it, it, like I say, it feels kind of reachy and like, yeah, you put these two, you, you, you put Woodstock 99 and you put, uh, um, uh, you know, January 6th side by side. Like, yeah, okay. I can see some similarities there, but I'll also point out in terms of musicians directly associated with January 6th, it wasn't new metal guys. It was iced earth. <laughs> yeah. You power metal fans have a lot to answer for. <laughs> well, I also think that like the way you just look at just like the details, it's like, all right. I mean, like, yeah, these bands played there. It's interesting in documentary. You, you'll find this interesting because you know, obviously it was a weird collection of, of groups that were there. You've had like, you know, your usual specs, people that come up, but there's also like Jewel and Cheryl Crow and Dave yeah. Matthews band and whatever else. Um, but like Metallica headline one night and Megadeth headline the other night and they don't show any footage from either of them. And I'm actually not positive that Megadeth actually played. I'm actually I'm not positive about that point. They, Dave Mustaine is interviewed in it, but um, it's just like, hmm, someone's lawyers got involved there. Uh, but like, you know, Limp Bizkit played like in the middle of the day, like and Kid Rock played in the like, you know, Corn played later on. But like it was like Red Hot Chili Peppers when shit started to go bad. And like 
I would not describe her slippers as particularly aggressive no. or their fans, you know? And so it's just like, it really was just like a perfect storm of like bad situations that I think you're right. Like trying to trace that line is like a little bit reachy and definitely a little bit like just seeing something where it maybe isn't. Um, I mean, I do think that that like the hyper masculine, like there's a lot of other stuff, you know, in that documentary talking about like the hyper masculinity and just like all the sexual assaults on women that took place at that concert and the promoters are like well you know maybe they shouldn't have been i'm not i don't condone it but maybe they shouldn't have been walking around with their boobs out or whatever like they're kind of asking it's like oh my jesus christ yeah, and maybe you shouldn't have been promoting that this was summer of love 2.0 right right um uh, or also maybe you should have hired better security right for a for almost a half a million people. Which is right. Like absurd. And, and, and wasn't there a detail here that like uh, every day more and more security guards quit because the conditions oh, yeah. and were just, so like, poor took their things off and just melted into the crowd. Right. Um, there's also I mean, it, it, this is a, if you have a spoiler alert for a documentary, but they kind of trace these two guys, their experience there is kind of like the, you know, voices of individuals and you're, you know, you're interviewing the one guy and you're getting the other guy's journal entries and you're like, well, this guy died. Um, and yeah, he died. Uh, and it was like, basically he just got like heat exhaustion and passed out. And it, from what it, it didn't exactly clear, but it sounded like the EMTs that found him thought he had OD'd and treated him as such. And then basically killed him like, because they didn't like treat him properly or some complication from that. So, uh, and all this poor kid just wanted to go see Metallica, the greatest band in the world, dude, in 1999, which was not true, but he thought it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was really good. It was really interesting. Um, like I said, I think the, the, that, but that through line that people are focusing on isn't really the main yeah. thrust of it. It's like, eh, kind of this maybe. And you're like, okay, maybe. But I do think it does encapsulate a lot of like cultural trends around that stuff, like what new metal was and why it was and. Yeah. yeah, I mean, new metal definitely uh, leaned hard into what we now would call toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah, it, it did. absolutely did, and it validated toxic masculinity um, in ways that metal. I mean, uh, I mean, it, look, I'm not saying that metal before Limp Bizkit was not <laughs> full of toxic masculinity. It certainly was. Um, it leaned into toxic masculinity maybe a little harder than uh, than what had come before it. And I also think that it uh, in the way that it aesthetically denerded itself, it opened itself up to uh, a crowd that maybe was a little more like IRL macho than uh, what had come before, which may have contributed to it being a little bit more rowdy than mu uh, a comparable music genre. But let's be honest. I mean, it's not like like when you think about the history of new metal, does it go down as like, holy shit, man, new metal shows were always violent riots, you know? No. Yeah, that was my point. Like Limp Bizkit has played, you know, thousands of festivals probably at this point. Right. Right. And you know, other ones didn't get burned down and people didn't get assaulted and whatever. It's just like this yeah. was a bad situation all around. I mean, the only I mean, honestly, the only, you know, metal genre that I can think of that has direct line, direct line uh, correlations with IRL violence, specifically arson, is black metal. 
Mm-hmm. But we got over that unless more details come out about what's going on in Canada. But um, <laughs> right. God forbid. I don't want that. We don't need that guy. We don't need please that. Don't. Yeah, please, please don't. don't. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's interesting. I, I kind of think that like one, I was thinking about this, that like one of the reasons that it was so they talk a lot about like just like how monolithic new metal was and like how commercial it was, which was even though prior metal genres and movements were like commercialized for sure. I mean, Metallica was one of the biggest highest grocers in the eighties or whatever, but like early nineties, but it was just, it's weird. Cause it's like, in some ways it's super monolithic in that. Like, it was just like this, like commercial movement that happened and then kind of collapsed. But at the same time you had these weird, like carve outs where you've got like some bands that are like particularly political in a left kind of way. You're rage against, which I would you know, maybe not new metal, but adjacent to this space, yeah, they, rage yeah, against yeah. the machine system of a down, like that kind of stuff. And then you've got like, the more traditional new metal, your Limp Bizkit, your Kid Rock, your whatever. And those are very different bands with different messages, but they all get kind of lumped in the same. It's just like, it's just middle fingers. And like, that's what it is. It's just like angry at nothing, angry at everybody, pretty misogynistic, maybe vaguely racist at points. You know, they talk about like how few black people there were at this concert and show. There's actually a whole section about DMX, which is really interesting because he also performed. And yeah. I don't know that that part was a little bit like I'm not really sure what your thesis is here. Um, they're like, isn't it weird? Because like I don't know what I'm not like, um, you know, a DMX expert, but whatever his major song at the time was, it had some like shout back lyric that had the N word in it. Yeah, and he was shouting out to the crowd to repeat it back. Cause they're like, isn't it weird? You had like three hundred thousand white people like shouting the N word at a guy on stage. I'm like, that is weird. Well, but he's inviting them to it, it was a weird it was a very weird situation. And I don't know sure what their point was, but um, it's I mean, yeah, it's I mean, I guess I, I I mean, number one, is it a little weird that a crowd of 300,000 white guys are, are, are shouting the N word like I mean, stripped of context, maybe. Well, yes, stripped of context. Yes. But. <laughs> When one of the biggest rappers in the world at the time is encouraging that crowd to sing along with like explicitly giving the crowd permission to sing along, that changes the context. Sure, totally. Two, uh, when also in 1999, it was 20 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. And the conversation around the N-word and appropriate contexts for using it was even more uh, fuzzy than it is today. So, like, it's not that weird, guys. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's it's not like they were shouting it at him to get him to leave the stage. Like, it was a part of the sing-along part of the song. And he, you know. <laughs> yeah. the uh, They try and, like, make a little, another little, like. This is one thing I think that I've come to conclude about this documentary is like it's worth a watch because it's just fascinating. Just like the whole thing is just like, what the fuck is this? But their actual points are kind of like, eh, like they kind of try to make a line about like how new metal was like kind of cultural appropriation and like commercializing <sighs> pieces of like, you know, hip hop and rap into metal to like commercialize it and make it accessible to like angry white guys. And I'm like, maybe, but yeah, I don't know. Angry it's white a, guys were, were I, as somebody who survived the 90s once, <laughs> ang, angry white guys were listening to hip hop without Fred Durst's permission. Right. Like, come on. I I was uh, what? I was 16 when Woodstock 99 happened. So I was right in the thick of what music is cool and what music isn't. And I knew a lot of white kids who were listening to Wu-Tang. Totally. Uh, 
it, it, it's this is not um I, I I think it's absurd and there were a pl- there were plenty of white rappers in in the late 90s I'm pretty sure Eminem was pretty big in 1999 oh, yeah, definitely like definitely. this was not like you don't look I am no defender of Fred Durst fuck that guy <laughs> um and especially fuck Kid Rock but white guys were rapping before that yeah. and um and honestly like Look, you know, people were experimenting with mixing hip hop and metal before Limp Bizkit. Uh, I will point I will point point everyone to, I think, Anthrax and Public Enemy mm-hmm. predating it. Um, Faith No More experimented a lot with it um, uh, before. It, 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 this is just nonsense. And I'm sorry, but musical genres cross pollinating is not cultural appropriation. Yeah. I'm no, if we're going to, especially it, not in the most generic way, which like they were, you know, if let's say if there was, I could see a situation in which there's like a really prominent, you know, rapper from an important community that's like big. And you just see like, if there's someone just like lifted it directly and packaged it for white people, like maybe you can remember, but like Fred Durst kind of yelling quickly and incorporating some like, you know, having like a guy who makes record scratches, like that's not really. No, like, it's, this, you know. this is how, look, I, I, this is how music works. This is how art works. Art borrows from art and saying as a blanket rule. Now, you might be able to point to specific artists, to specific instances that might be more problematic than others. I'm willing to concede that, like specific examples. But just the idea of mixing genre X with genre Y is somehow off limits. Fuck that. That is that is that is how art dies. Without mm-hmm. if, if if we did not mix the blues and country, we would not have rock and roll. It, 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 it's just uh, I mean, this is this is this is this is an absurd line of thought that it's cultural appropriation. Um, and it's weird because the the tone of the documentary is more like they're kind of defending the bands or at least basically saying like, you can't blame Limp Bizkit for Woodstock 99. That's absurd. No, but also these bands kind of suck. It's like, well, yeah, but like, yeah, they do. <laughs> so I don't really know what, like I said, it's, it's interesting to watch. Cause like just the whole narrative of it is fascinating and their reaction to it is interesting. And like, you know, they made some good points. Dan was just like, good thing was it like 300,000 white people rioting and not the other way around. Cause basically just like, it just fizzled out when the, police showed up and people yeah. just kind of like walked them out the door and was like okay bye even though like i mean it was like it looked like a fucking war zone like when you see the pictures it's why in the videos it's wild yeah. but uh it's interesting so anyway um while we're on music real quick i just wanted to throw out some wrecks yeah me too so uh have you heard of the span spirit box spirit box mm-hmm. i don't believe so it's actually a good tangent because they were on tour with limp biscuit this summer although they only played like two or three shows um Weird choice because Spearbox is kind of like a genty metalcore like band, you know, progressive metal band. Mm-hmm. They have um, it's actually the second lead singer of I Wrestled a Bear once. You probably remember those guys. I, I do. Yeah. Did we ever play a show with them? Um, Maybe. I don't know. Sorry. Courtney, keep going. Cor- Courtney LaPlante and then her husband, who was the guitarist in I Wrestled a Bear once. They started like a not jokey kind of band called Spearbox. And they're much more of like, you know, I, I've been realizing there's this trend in music now over like almost like a throwback where it's like, we're not really going to like do albums. We're just going to like make a song and then make a YouTube video for it and put it on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And like, 
that's a thing. They are bringing out their first full length in September. However, they've been a very popular band for two years now, including having like the top song on Liquid Metal or whatever the pat in 2020. So like kind of a big deal. Um, Courtney's an amazing vocalist in that, you know, there's plenty there's a novelty of like female fronted metal, right? When they're screaming. Mm-hmm. But they do a really good blend of like she sings and screams. Both are good. Her singing is very like different than maybe a lot of other uh dual female fronted bands. Um very like breathy and controlled and they're kind of poppy but also like really heavy and also not uh formulaic it's not just like she sings the chorus and then screams the mm-hmm. verse and then mm-hmm. does the breakdown and then like some of their songs she sings the whole time some of her songs she screams the whole time and the other ones are mixes and it's just like whatever they feel like doing is what it is and it's very atmospheric very nuanced but also like also not it's pretty straightforward just like genty metalcore <laughs> you just like when you break it down but it's earworms dude it is fucking earworms i've listened to like what they have on spotify so much shay is like super into it and i'm like Hmm. excuse me she's just like it's just so cool and i'm like okay (laughs) um not the trajectory she's been on for a long time when it comes to (laughs) metal or anything like that um but anyway i've been really enjoying them uh very cool a couple other bands i'm listening to a lot of uh one is called summoning the lich (laughs) that sounds about right great name they're basically a black dahlia clone but setting black dahlia style to like D&D theme shit just seems better. Um, even though Black Dahlia just brought out a D&D theme album too. But anyway, <laughs> it's slightly different. Um, a little more like, maybe a little heavier, maybe a little more tongue in cheek. Some combination of those two things make it good. Um, similar line of thought is a band called Wizard Throne. <laughs> I can I, I can hear them without hearing them. Uh, have you listened to these guys yet? No, no, no. I don't think okay, so. Okay, so it's members of Ailstorm, Flash Glory Hammer, aka The Keyboardist. Just making another band, because why not? Uh, Aether Realm and Necrogalicon okay. decided basically to make... You remember Balsagoth? Of course. Basically a leaner version of Balsagoth. Hmm. And it's great. Let me read you some of the titles of their songs. Uh, <laughs> of Tesseractual Gateways in the Grand Duplicity of Zul. <laughs> Sounds right. The Coalescence of Nine Stars in the System Once Known as Markarian 231. Great. Yep. Yep. It's a... Uh, and they've got that, you know, like the low guy talking in the background saying just like, you know, in the Hyporian age of blah, blah, blah. And just reading the lore. Basically, um, it's great. They're a lot of fun. That that reminds me of a band that uh, I've listened to called uh, uh, Atramentus, hmm. which is kind of a uh, it's definitely in like the funeral doom world. But uh, the album comes with lore. Ooh, like in the liner told notes me about this. Yeah, is is I think. And I think a map yes. for their for their lore, please. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know if musically they're going to be your deal, but certainly conceptually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've also been listening to a lot of Four Stroke Baron. Yeah. Which uh, maybe a little outside my typical realm. Yeah, I would I would I would think so. Um, but they're 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 decent. It's weird. It's like hard. I don't know how you would describe them um, because like. And parts of it sound like Mastodon, and then other parts of it kind of sound like Devin Townsend. Yeah. And then I, other parts, but like the vocals are like, he has kind of like, basically he sounds like one of the voices that King Diamond does, but all the time. <laughs> so I would, that, that <laughs> is accurate. Um, so, I mean, musically, it's, I mean, I would say it's it's within the prog family, right? Like mm-hmm. it, 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 it's in that vibe. Like it's, it's, a, it's, 
it's got similar vibes to, you know, Mastodon, Dream Theater, Devin Townsend. Like, it's in that world. Uh, I mean, uh, there's nothing, like, mind-blowing in in there. And the... But it's, you know, that's where you're at. Um, uh, and then the vocals, I would say, are a lot more, like, 80s new wave. Okay. Um, uh, and the keyboards, the, the synths have a little bit of an 80s new wave kind of vibe. Um, but it's a really kind of compelling, uh, thing. They have a really, it's such a, it's a bad name for a band. Yeah, but, it is a bad, it is a bad name. Um, um, it's one of those, it's one of those, uh, you know, it's like they, they sound like they come from an alternate an alternate future or something. It's it's tough to describe, but they're good. And the, and the songs are pretty catchy. Yeah. It's, it's kind of got like an upbeat poppy kind of feel, but it's also kind of heavy at points. Yeah. Um, I'm excited because, uh, the new album is being produced by another than Devin Townsend. So that, that tracks. Um, yeah. It should be, I listened, you know, just like put on a new track like a day or two ago. And I'm like, yeah, this is even better. <laughs> um, just a little more depth to the, the sound, the layers and stuff. So what he does well. So, yeah, I also went to my first post-COVID concert. Well, not oh, post-COVID yeah? concert, but maybe maybe regretful uh, mid-spike COVID concert. But um, it was fine. Yeah, I saw Between the Barry and Me for like the oh, 12th yeah. time. Um, not much to say about it. It was weird being in a sold-out concert hall with, you know, 90% of people not wearing masks. Uh, with a sign that said no moshing. But that was not followed. No, come on. Um, good luck enforcing that. Uh, it's also very different now because I think it hadn't been long. I guess maybe a little longer, but I think this is the first show in a while that I've been to where like weed has been decriminalized in Philly. Hmm. Um, you know, every once in a while you'd see the occasional puff of smoke come out of the crowd, right. but now you it's get like a smell. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's like pretty, <laughs> it's pretty much the whole thing. So, um, I think it's with once again, like you used to remember, I used to see that and you see like the bouncers just converge on an area. Yeah. Now it's just like, unless they see it like eight times, it's like just too hard to enforce. So, um, they were great though. I mean, they, they did like a full set of like cross a record, you know, catalog spanning stuff. Mm-hmm. And then a full set that was the great misdirect, uh, the whole way through. And then they, of course, you know, encore with white wall. So it was a very long yep. set I mean, for them to play. It's, it's going to be that or Selkies. <laughs> yep. Um, so it was good. They played a, um, they played a song for the last guy. I hadn't heard them play live before that I'm blanking on the name of, but I still haven't heard them play all bodies yet though, which is a real big bummer, but someday they'll I, yeah. do an Alaska tour. Cause I can confidently say at this point, the nice thing is that they do, which I wish more bands would do is when they bring a new album, they just tour it. They do the whole album and you know, along with another song or two, right? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, look, they, they write a lot of notes and you know, you're going to play them. You're yeah. going to write that many notes. You're fucking play them. So it's like, I can say that I've seen, like, from Colors till now, I've heard every song live, right? Also, I would wager that uh, for songs that complex, like, you've only got, you know, it's like, you've only got so much room in your brain. (laughs) And I would imagine they're one of those bands that, like, when a song comes back into the set list, like, you have to relearn it. Because their songs are, yeah, there's a lot going on there. So it's like, yeah, we just, I mean, we recorded these songs and I forgot how to play all the other ones to make room for these new ones. So here we go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so it was they had a lot of energy uh i feel like you know pent up from not having toured for 18 months mm-hmm. so that was nice um i am planning unless things i mean i'm thinking by this time things should be hopefully better question mark who fucking knows but uh Meshuga is touring in the fall and hmm. coming to philly um they're coming with converge which i don't 
particularly know if I like Converge or not. I don't think I do, but um, it's also one of those bands. It's like, be good to probably, you know, say I saw Converge at some point in my life. So I I feel like for me, like, there's probably, you could probably hodgepodge together an album worth of Converge songs that I would re- that I really, really like, um, but that's about it. Um, I would say, though, that that is one of those, I mean, from everything I've come to learn about Converge shows, be be towards the back when that happens. Well, I had that realization with being on the blood thinners, you know, I'm just like, wait a second. Should I like not like, should I like be careful? I mean, not that I'm usually like, you know, center of the pit or whatever, but uh, I'm like, you know, especially if I have a beer or two, you know, it's just like, should I really be? I'm like, you know, it's like, oh God, am I? And also I, I read an article. It was like a guy had like, you know, a, a brain bleed because he was headbanging so hard at a motorhead concert. And I was just like, oh, do I need to like watch all this shit now? Damn it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think you'd have to go pretty hard. Yes. <laughs> it's more about getting like knocked over and cracking my head on the floor is what is most concerning to me, because I will say that the one time I saw Mashuga being in that pit was awesome because it wasn't really a pit. It was just the crowd turning into a machine meat grinder and you're just in it and you're just yeah. part of the experience. And that just was writhing maths, basically, um, which was great. Because that's what you need to do during that music. So, yeah, because you're just becoming part of the experience. So, yeah, uh, that's been my like music, music kind of update. Well, I am uh, uh, unless plans change. Good God. Um, I will be uh, getting my f- just d- diving back into um, diving back into uh, going to shows with both feet. Is this uh, the black metal Camping trip? Yep. <laughs> oh my goodness. Shadow Woods Five. <laughs> uh, in the um, in the woods of Maryland, coming up here at the end of the month. Uh, I will be um, I will be camping out to see like I don't know thirty black metal bands. <laughs> That's a lot of black metal, man. Uh, yeah. Um, and really, I mean, look, there's. There's some uh, there's some bands on the list and uh, that there's a lot of bands on the list. I'm sure I'm going to like find some new like some new uh, some new bands I like at this thing. Um, but really, it's it's Panopticon and Falls of Roros, who I'm like psyched about. Um, and there's another band who I've been getting into um, called Feminazgul. Okay, yeah. Uh, which is just a fantastic name for a band. Um, uh, th- they're playing, so I'm looking forward to, to, like, seeing them and, like, kind of, like, giving them the stress test of, like, are you guys going to be one of the bands I like? Because, I mean, on paper, we should vibe very strongly. You're a, like, atmospheric black metal band whose name is a Tolkien reference, but also a reference on the frame Feminazi, which, you know, great. I'm all about this. Um, like they're just like an aggressively feminist black metal band. And I'm like, this, this seems right. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I'm going to be doing that and, and we're going to see how that goes. Uh, I, it was supposed to be last summer, but you know, um, the world. So rescheduled for this, uh, the end of this week or not this week, end of the month. So I'm going to, you know, um, have my first solo camp out in maybe a decade and also the first like multi-day festival I think I've ever done at 38. So it's going to be, be, be real cool. <laughs> uh, is Jordan not going with you anymore? Oh, no. Yeah. Jordan's going. Oh, OK. He said solo. Yeah, I don't think. Well, I, I I mean, the invitation's open, but Jordan doesn't doesn't love the outdoors. 
Sure, sure, sure. And sure, also sure. he like just geographically like it's like I think like a 20 minute drive for him to just like go crash at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm looking forward to an excuse to, you know, sleep in the woods. Can you do like a um, you should do like a vlog, dude, like a YouTube live, you know, just like walk around and be like, this is a black metal festival. What the fuck? <laughs> it's I mean, I, I certainly could could shoot it um i based on what pictures i was able to find on google image search from previous years uh it's good it's it's looking like a pretty chill crowd yeah yeah this this uh would attract it's not like because i've always thought going to maryland death fest you know yeah but it's just like it's just like it's just a lot and it's like it's a lot of death slash other things i'm just not sure i can do like a whole day of that but oh yeah I'm, if everything's I'm, tuned up to be black metal, you know like all the sound and everything is like we're doing the black metal thing like i don't know you can just like chill and well and i'm i'm planning on spending a good chunk of time just like hanging out at my camp campsite too i i'm not gonna be standing there and watching 30 bands you know yeah yeah yeah. i'm gonna pick and choose because yeah, of not course a, i'm not a lunatic I would have trouble with that. I'm always like, I get my money's worth. And it's just like, just chill, dude. You're going to see enough bands to make yeah, it your money's this worth. This is, this is money I spent a year ago. I don't. Right. <laughs> sunk cost. Right, right, right. Uh, well, cool, dude. That sounds like a blast. Yeah. I want to hear all about it. A blast? Like the blast beats? Typical yeah, 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 to? Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Good. Good, yeah. good, good. Um, the blast, the sound of like, you know, the church finally collapsing as it's on fire and crumbling. No. No, it's black. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh... Yeah, that's so that's my music thing. I've been listening to, um, you know, I haven't I wouldn't say I've like discovered a lot of bands that are like really worth pointing out. Um, Violet Cold put out a new album this summer called Empire of Love. Pretty decent. I didn't like as much as I liked the other one, but it was good. It's not as solid. It has some the it's got some really strong highs, though. Yeah, it felt a little more meandery to me. Yeah. Then the previous one. But Noir Kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, Interestingly, though, you know, I mean, just there is there is a he he definitely experiments on one track with like incorporating hip hop into black metal and it mostly works. Uh, So just to, to, you know, loop back to a previous conversation. Right. Um, uh, So that I'm enjoying that. Um, Boss Keloid, who are kind of a proggy type band that I've always been kind of flirting with. Put out a new album called uh, Gentle Clovis. That's pretty decent. Um, and it's it's not really new content at all. But, um, you know, Devin Townsend released just as a live album, one of the uh, kind of like virtual concerts he did. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really fucking good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the. Uh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, it's. Um, uh devolution series two galactic quarantine it's it's where he and he 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 does a bunch of strapping young lad songs um and it's just one of those things that like you know i think you could you could really criticize devin townsend for you know kind of taking the iron maiden or motorhead route and just continuing to release re-recorded and or live versions of the same songs over and over again but um, to hear the way that some of these things have evolved over his career, mm-hmm. you know, not only just like his interpretations of the songs, but like his performance as a vocalist and a guitarist is really fucking impressive. And it's like, it's just so rare for like musicians to get 
better as they get more successful. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but he's like just his technical development is staggering because like, he's at a point in his career where he could absolutely be just resting on his laurels and he's getting physically older. So he's not hitting those high notes anymore, but he's somehow going in the other direction. <laughs> what the fuck, guy? He he's I consumed I've consumed a lot of Devin Townsend content over quarantine just because of like the quarantine concerts and the you know the YouTube videos he's posting. And then he had his podcast where he was going through each of his albums. Mm hmm. But really, he was spending about 80% of those just like talking about what he was doing right now and like how he was doing and a lot of insight. Um, and then also he's been doing a lot more like content with other folks on the Internet. Like he did an interview with um, which a YouTube channel I've gotten two YouTube channels I wanted to plug. Now, I know like the whole like reaction thing is like overall kind of shitty. Mm -hmm. However, I got into two vocal like coach Slash like reaction mm -hmm. channels. One is called the Charismatic Voice. Um, Elizabeth Elizabeth Karoff, I think is her name. She's an opera singer. She's also just like a huge nerd and basically just like started doing normal stuff and then stumbled into metal because of the internet and was just mm -hmm. like she's just like fascinated by it and very she's just very innocent and naive but in like an excited way. Um, and she's been like just developing a really good YouTube channel with really good content. And then I've also been into. Cardavox Academy, which is the guy from Kardashev, the lead singer, and he hmm. specializes in, you know, like harsh vocals. And he's really interesting because like, I just don't know how any of that shit works. Hmm. And he's really good at like explaining like what is happening in your vocal folds. And like he's demoing and like sh you know, comparing and showing you what he's doing with his mouth to like imitate things. It's really fascinating, actually. And now they've been collaborating. And then Elizabeth did an interview with Devin Townsend, um, which it was like an hour and 40 minute YouTube hmm. like interview. So it's like not just like tell me about yourself. Blah, blah. It was like pretty in-depth stuff. Um, he also did one with Jordan Rudis, which is the Dream Theater keyboardist. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't get to watch the whole thing. So it was like partially paywall for Jordan Rudis' Patreon. But basically it's just they're talking about like, you know, how you pick your patches, like your keyboard setup, whenever. And Devin Townsend's like, Oh, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. And he put his camera down and he literally has his keyboard like labeled like C D. He's like, I had to literally like look at it and to play it and just put stuff together. But it's a uh, very, very funny in that way that he just like, he's constantly pushing himself to, and he was telling Elizabeth that like, I, I am still taking vocal lessons. Like, cause I kind of just did stuff and I had some training, but mm -hmm. just to try and do what I needed to do. Uh, he just, He's he's always pushing himself. He's too neurotic to stop, which is why he is the way he is. Yes. Um, are you interested in this puzzle project that he have you heard about this? Uh, I have not. So during quarantine, he was going insane and trying to work on new content and stuff and just trying to make, you know, he is so weird. He's such a space cadet. Um, he put out basically a call to just like his network of friends, family, musicians, whatever, and just said, like, Here's an album I'm kind of working on. Send me something. And the basic idea was he got, I think it's either 50 or 60 clips of mm. anything. Music, singing, people reading recipes, people reading a bedtime story. And he's like, I need to make all of these fit into an album. <laughs> because that's what it feels like right now in the world to try and just like take all the disparate pieces of your life and put it together into something that, that's coherent. So he said it's like kind of halfway between deconstruction and like dev lab. Mm -hmm. um, he said it's fucking weird as hell. Uh, but that it's like a whole he has like he's doing like a whole like there's a associated like movie with it, I guess, as well. And it's just like it's a whole fucking thing. So that's coming out like in a month or two, I think. Huh. 
So get ready for that, I guess. Interesting. It might cross over that line for me of just being like too weird. Yeah, this this has the vibe of like, oh, that that's a neat concept. But mm-hmm. mm, yeah. Yeah. So but I have to listen. I haven't listened. I watched the probably the video for that show, but I haven't actually listened to the live album yet. So I'll have to it's check that out. It's really good. I, I mean, because I think that like because I think I watched it or parts of it and I was like, OK, cool. You know, but like there's something about like, you know, sitting down and, and like plugging into it, you know, mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, really like listening to these songs again, you know, as something you're listening to, not something you're kind of watching as a show. I know that's different, but, um, yeah, I know what you're saying. And it also sounds great because it, you know, unlike a traditional live album where you have to make some compromises on the the sound quality, just due to the nature of like, we're recording this in a fucking venue with, (laughs) you know, with 2000 idiots in here, you know, like. Um, it's, I mean, it just, if if it wasn't for like the little, um, you know, banter he does between, uh, between songs, it, you would just be like, oh, this is just a great, this is just an album, you know? Yeah. Because they all were recorded individually, you know, at their spot and whatever. And yeah, and you can have perfect production really. Right. And, and because they always, you know, they're always, um, uh, performing to a backing track, right? Mm-hmm. So they have clicks and, you know, all the keys and all that stuff is all on 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 a on a track. Oh, maybe not the keys in this case, but like so you don't get what you sometimes get on live albums where like eh, you get some tempo inconsistencies or you can tell like, you know, you you know, the average listener might not interpret it this way, but you, you can just tell something's wrong. But like, ah, maybe the bass player is dragging a little bit there. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it just kind of. But you don't get that because they're all synced up uh, to the click. Uh, it's just very, very good. Yeah, it's fascinating. Some of the stuff he's done with some of those quarantine concerts and, and some other things, because he basically said, like, like, this is a lot more work than it sounds because like I don't have a lot of this shit. He's like, I'm just like bad at keeping stuff. So he's like a lot of like example, like the Ocean Machine stuff. Like he's like, I had to like make a lot of like the samples and the orchestration yeah. and stuff like from scratch, just from like listening to it and trying to figure out what I did before because I don't have the hard drives anymore or whatever. Um, and some of the strapping stuff as well. So that was kind of an interesting like wrinkle that it it makes it, you know, the same, but also not the same and an iteration in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Greg, I have one question before we dive into the Suicide mm. Squad. I'm mm. ready to do that. Um, um, uh, uh, there's one more thing I, I want to mention. Okay. Yeah, totally. Briefly. Um, I'm not, I'm not ready to talk about it but um on friday amazon released uh, uh, <laughs> uh the fourth and final rebuild of evangelion movie mm-hmm. and uh, i watched it you watched it without me Greg? dude you gotta watch the other three first well, i thought we were gonna do it together and, like i'm not gonna wa- like oh, come on man like i'm not i, I know, waited 24 I know, hours on that one yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, okay because other things were going on and okay. that was a long time for me to wait to watch. Yeah. yeah. So for dear listeners, you'll remember way back when that the end of Evangelion is really fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was the end of new Evangelion? New, really fucking weird. OK, got it. Um, uh, yeah, um, it it's out and I watched it and I'm going to need to watch it again. So uh, I knew that all along. I was like, yeah, I know. You know, Andrew and I said we were going to like watch these together and watch the new one and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I'm, I, I was like, I'm, this is not going to be a one watch movie for me. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been talking about starting those um, with Keith uh, 
dear anime nerd friend. Um, so maybe we'll do that and we can this, talk about it at some point. This I, okay. This is what I'll say about Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, <laughs> which is um, questionable title. It is. Uh, you know how people have been kind of like using anime as almost like a uh, a noun that like can be quantified. Like it is something is very anime. Mm-hmm. That is so anime. Mm-hmm. This movie is infinitely anime. Okay, Got this it. movie leads so hard into being fucking anime that I think the term has lost all meaning. Okay, <laughs> uh, you have to watch it on Amazon, correct? That's the place where they're located. Uh, that's yeah i mean i that and and up until this point i don't think you've been it's been easy to get um on the black market so mm-hmm. uh but yes it is on it is streaming on amazon prime i don't think they have the other three you're gonna have to get those some other way but the fourth one is at least on on amazon gotcha um good to know yeah. i will uh check those out because Oof, well, let me know when you do, because I, I, yeah. I, I'd be happy to have an excuse to watch him again. I still need to catch up on Attack on Titan, dude. I didn't even do that. Oh, I, uh, yeah. I mean, the final season isn't isn't finished yet. Right. That's kind of what took the wind out of my sails. Um, but the the manga is. Uh, I I know how it ends. Oh no, you can watch all th- all four of the new ones on Amazon. Oh, good. Uh, I guess I'm calling out of work tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. I guess we're gonna do that. Great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well. Okay. Do you want to watch the series again to get caught up? No, 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 not necessary. Um, <laughs> I will. I mean, I know this is technically like a new continuity or a new timeline or maybe sure, sure, sure. a reboot. But you gotta compare or... them. I don't, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, well, that's gonna be a thing we're gonna do. The animation looks cool from the trailer uh, I saw. It's so fucking good. Yeah. Which is different than the original. Um, anyways, although I will say that now, unfortunately, something... I know this is like an anime thing, Japanese culture thing in general, but whenever I fucking hear cicadas, I just like get oh. transported back to Eva and I'm like, God damn it, this ruins yeah. cicadas for me forever. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you talk about something that you love. I want to ask you, because I know you're watching it. Have you made any more progress in The Expanse? Uh, no, I've kind of stalled out on it a little ah, bit. God I ha- well, it's been a bit, I don't know, man. I got stuff going on. I yeah, gotta, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, got an adorable daughter who, you know, every day I see Karen's Instagram videos and they're so cute. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's a, a bundle good of joy. She's a good kid. I'm not, she's so tall. I know. And I think she just, I think we're in the middle of a growth spurt right now because she's just eating everything she sees. Um <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I've been watching The Expanse. I've been liking The Expanse. I'm maybe halfway through season one. Um, I'm enjoying it. I don't think I have anything to say about it that is especially novel. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things like, yeah, everybody likes this show. And, you know, the opinions are, uh, you know, pretty standard that it, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a little shaky in the first season, but then it gets better. And, you know, but even then season one's pretty good. Um, I think the only thing I think I texted this to you, but like, I think I got like two or three episodes in before I realized that Tom Jane was in it. I just kept thinking that that character was like, Oh man, they clearly wanted Tom Jane for this, but they got this guy instead. <laughs> I think it's cause he like lost a lot of weight. For yeah. The, and I like think for that just, role. And I also think I, I, I guess when I just looked at him, I was like, I was either expecting Tom Jane to either like to be to like look a little younger or something or maybe older. I'm not sure. But I was like, 
And then I, I happened to like actually see the credits. I was like, oh shit, that's actually Tom Chain, huh? Yeah. Yeah. He actually, um, I think directs some episodes later on and stuff. He's pretty into it. Uh, he has a good job. Yeah. I, uh, the, the one thing I think I, I, I don't like is that like the whole like, oh, he's kind of like, like anachronistically cosplaying this, you know, kind of like 30s hard boiled detective. Like, uh, it's, it's just not landing for me. Mm-hmm. E- either as an ironic thing or whatever it's just not working for me but whatever i'm still watching the show i'm liking the show yeah that piece is not as heavily emphasized in the books like he has yeah. a hat that people make fun of a lot but yeah um the fact that like he kind of looks and acts like an earther is not something that they in this sort of like yeah like i said anachronistic like earther kind of yeah seen in a movie at some point this is what people on earth dress like kind of thing yeah, it's weird because it's it's like time period wise and everything else in the show seems so like, you know, like so futury. But mm-hmm. then you've got this guy and nobody seems to be pointing out like, oh, you've why are you wearing that antique hat? Right. <laughs> and like, why are you like it would be like somebody today going around in like like 1850s dress and nobody's really commenting on it. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Let's talk about Suicide Squad. <laughs> uh, you mean the Suicide Squad? Yes. Speaking of something where I can't decide if it's being ironic or not. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I watched this movie Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, a little late to the game, but I wanted to watch it with them. I feel like it was one of those movies that'd be more fun with friends. Sure. Um, I don't have, like, it was, judging me about James Gunn, and just from the previews, I was like, this is about what I expected it to be. Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it. Oh, I think I liked it a good bit. I had an enjoyable watch. Maybe not something I'm probably going like, to go back and watch again. I also had this like kind of slight undertone of a feeling where it's like once again, especially after like watching, you know, watching Harley <clears throat> Quinn and we're coming off of shitty Zack Snyder shit. It's like, why can't DC just make the thing like why can why are the only compelling or interesting stories they can make about their characters is like taking the piss out of their characters and their mm. universe or like making it crazy violent or crazy whatever, like, you know. I'm not saying they need to make do the exact same thing Marvel is doing, but it just kind of feels like a little sad or it's just like the only way you can make like bring successful pieces of your universe to screen is through making fun of it or, you know, making it really weird or dark or something. And I don't know, still still pull on that thread. But so I, I feel like it's there's a lot of similarities to uh, the Snyder cut. In that, like, it's certainly better than the last one, right? Oh, I mean, without a fucking doubt. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. certainly better than the last one. But I'm not sure how good it is just on its own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... In in isolation, I'm not sure this movie's that great. Now, okay, so, so let me say this. Is it a fun movie? Yes. Is it an enjoyable watch? Yes. Uh, um, is it, you know, like significantly flawed in its content or its ideology or anything like that? No, but is it good? I don't, I don't know, man. I just feel like it's like it, it kind of feels like it, it, like somebody just chopped up various elements of Guardians of the Galaxy, put them in a different order and gave it an R rating and called it a day. Like, um, oh, hey, we've got. We've got a, a CG. We've got a CG guy who's an animal. Um, we've got a. Uh, we've got a guy. It's the same guy. We've got a big dumb guy who doesn't fully understand stuff, but he's still kind of cute and fun. Um, 
we've got you know uh we've got a lot of quips we've got um we've got kind of a grizzled mentor you know it's just like you know you're just kind of recombining a lot of these elements and um hey there's a freaking needle drop every 30 seconds um, yeah I, I said it was kind of like how you know you can for older style comedies or even newer ones you can you know every how many seconds there's a laugh built into yeah. it i feel like this this movie had like every you know two or three minutes there was a me going oh god or jesus christ and it's not that those things are bad but it doesn't feel like you know it's like okay this is james gunn's first post guardians movie right you know his first you know after his big breakout it's like oh what's he gonna do next and it's like oh he, he's doing guardians again right like it, it, this to me, this movie isn't different enough from Guardians to make me be like, "Ooh, neat! I like where you're going." You know, it's just kind of like, "Oh, he, he did more of the Guardians," um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because you know it's okay to be a one-trick pony if it's a good trick. And I mean, I think it's a good trick, but it also makes it hard to like for me to like really like uh, kind of sink in to Suicide Squad because I'm keep getting I'm continually reminded of guardians you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um and on a similar note i really feel like this movie wanted to continually remind me of the original suicide squad in ways that i wasn't sure what it was trying to say um because there were time there were parts of the movie that felt like it was taking the piss out of the original suicide squad do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like I feel like some of the scenes back at, you know, back at headquarters were like trying to point out some of the ridiculousness of the premise. Sure. Like how Viola Davis is just like taking this the most serious you possibly can. And everyone around her is just like, this is fucking outrageous. Right. Um, And, you know, it seems like there was so like one of the parallels I saw was like one of the obvious critiques of the original Suicide Squad is like, the movie kind of starts twice mm-hmm. and kind of goes through the character introductions twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this movie kind of did that, too. Right. It, with the big fake out intro, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there's like a scene in the original Suicide Squad of Harley Quinn in captivity, hanging from the ceiling, singing a song. And that's in this movie, too. Mm hmm. And a lot of things like that where I'm like, this is too obvious to not be a commentary, right? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's like, what are you trying to say, James? Like, are you trying to, like, outdo the original and, like, wipe it clean? Or are you trying to, like, is this a flex? Is this a reference? But also, is it? it's kind of weird if it's, like, a reference or an homage to a movie that came out, like, four years ago. (laughs) You know? Uh, so it's weird in that way that I don't fully, like, I don't understand what it's trying to tell me in that regard. And mm-hmm. then, like, the fact that Bloodsport is almost, like, the, 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 almost just screaming at the audience, hey, we couldn't use Deadshot <laughs> because Will Smith was, didn't want to do this. Um, so here's Deadshot, but, like, just not Deadshot. This is Bloodsport. <laughs> um, he's... You know, he's still a black guy. He's still good at guns. Um, and, and his daughter is like that. That's still his like thing. Um, still grizzled, but now it's blood sport. Okay. And it's like, okay, fine. But then they're like, Hey, 
We also have Peacemaker, who has the exact same power set and backstory, and we're going to make that explicit. And it's like, what? 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 I don't... What do you... What does this mean? These are all very clear puzzle pieces, but I don't know what this means. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. I, I feel like for me, I didn't pick up quite as much of like... For me, it more felt like you're like... Took like maybe 30% of Guardians and like 60% Deadpool. Oh, yes. Um, yes. It kind you know, in just like many pieces of it, you know, and, and you know, the, what the guard, you know, what they do bring in is they, you know, he does bring in like when I was reading reviews about they're like, oh, there's like surprising amount of heart in this movie. I'm like, not really. No. Like, <laughs> like, OK, so you have a little bit of empathy or sympathy for like Ratcatcher 2. Uh, yeah, but also in the most like generic way. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, she's not a villain. Maybe. <laughs> um. Oh, I, she misses her dad. Yeah. And she's nice to the rats. And she wants everybody to be friends. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I read a lot of complaints about like how like, you know, it's basically like a Harley Quinn movie within this movie, which is kind of strange. Um, I, you know, it was fun. I think that it uh, it did some some novel things. Not necessarily novel, but it did some maybe not necessarily novel things, but things well that were like good iterations on past things. Um I did really like John Cena's. Oh, he was great. Everybody in this movie was great. Yeah, I am ready for his show. I'm right. I'm I'm like down for it. You heard that that's that happened, right? That's the thing. They're making a whole show on his character that's already been filmed or is filming Um, because I guess, you know, they just saw like the the breakout potential, like some of the some of the record scratches really got me like when they take out that whole village and it turns out they were all like good guys. I was just like, Oh God. Yeah. That one so got me. That um, was funny. But also I was like a little like, uh, in hindsight, I was like, it was a little icky. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it was like, is this, I mean, this is a gag, but it's also not funny. <laughs> right. Like, and the fact that our characters showed absolutely no remorse for this. Yeah. Uh, um, it, the it, same it, level of remorse they would have had if they like, Stole somebody's cookies. Right. You know, um, or, or you know, they had to steal a civilian's car to chase the bad guy and they wrecked the car along the way. Mm-hmm. Ha ha What a laugh. Like, but it's a little weird. Like, I I get that they're supposed to be antiheroes, but like, even your antiheroes are kind of supposed to respect innocent life uh-huh. to a certain degree. Um, yeah, that one I didn't I didn't love, but I'm sorry I, I interrupted. No, no. Um it that I think it would reason it like I don't know if it worked necessarily, but like it just it was so out of left field for me. I was just like, oh god. It was like it truly was just like made you like be like, I don't think that's okay. Like yeah. um in a way that the other ones was just like, oh that's just like funny, whatever. Um I I really like the stuff with Polka Dot Man and his mom, like that was really bizarre, but it landed for me. Especially when it was like Starro, but his mom. <laughs> Um, his character was so weird and, and good. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's just enough to, it, you've got a lot of pieces in it that I think are really like cool and funny and weird and off-putting and dark, but I'm not sure it all just makes a hole for me. Yeah. The, the polka dot man thing, I don't know. Like, I mean, again, it's like these things are funny and in isolation, but I also feel like they used the, I feel like they used that gag one too many times with mm. him. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when like a good chunk of the fight with Starro, like we're visualizing Starro as 
just a dumpy old white lady. <laughs> and it feels like this was supposed to be like a stand up and cheer moment in the theaters. But I'm like, do we all hate dumpy white ladies that much <laughs> that this is what we want to see right now? I kind of wanted to see them fight the purple space starfish. Yeah. Um, um, speaking of that choice was awesome. Yes. Love it. Although I was reading today that apparently his original pitch was that they're going to fight Superman. That would have been good. Like a mind controlled Superman or something like that. But um, I don't know how you would have if they would have, uh, you know, there's no sense of continuity, which is fine now. But I was like the the meant like the current DC, you know, movie Henry Cavill Superman is far too strong to fight a suicide squad. Yes. The, the, yes he would they, just they, rip them to shreds in seconds. They they fucked that up. They made they made Superman way too strong. In those I, mean, I kind of like that about him. Because, like, it's cool in a way, but it just makes it so, it makes it very, it boxes you in, you know, yes. from a storytelling perspective. Yes. Um, uh, but, I mean, better storytellers can do it. Sure. I mean, behold Invincible. Like, yeah. this is how you can tell a compelling story in a world where you have a god like Superman. Yes. But. Um, which I finished reading, by the way. I don't know if I, I don't think I came up on the show, but I read all the issues. Mm-hmm. It was, it's, we're in for a ride if they do a good job with the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with, the, the show's good. But anyway, back to Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um, I also would say that I like that, some of the things I like, just the miscellaneous things. I did like, even though it's not dissimilar to, you know, the Iron Man effects or the Black Panther effects or the Spider-Man effects, but I did like the pieces of guns, like, stacking onto each other to, like, make different kinds of guns. It felt very, like, video gamey, but in a fun way. For, yeah, and I um, also like that they didn't bother explaining any of it. No, it's just like, he just does this. It was just like, alright, okay. fuck, fuck it, fine, good, great, I don't care. I don't care, I don't need an explanation for this, this is just fucking cool to look at. Great. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what weird nanotech gun he makes next. Yeah. Um, I like that James, you know, the, the choice is, once again, it's very Guardians, but this choice to be like, yeah, let's just get Sylvester Stallone to voice the shark for no reason. <laughs> just like with, you know, Vin Diesel playing Groot. It's like, we don't need to have an A-list actor doing these voices, but let's just do it because. Right. Um, like anyone could just, you know, they could just modulate someone's voice to voice, you know, King Shark, but uh, they just don't. So. Right. Um, yeah. And I like that. uh <laughs> Like that Starro is like a character, like talked, you know, via its things. And yeah. Like, I was happy out in space. Why'd you fuck with me? <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Um, and was that, was that Taika Waititi doing the, he was Ratcatcher one? Yes. Okay. He's just in every movie now, I guess, isn't he? Yeah. Why not? I love him. Stick him in it. Uh, cause I egregiously thought he was directing this movie multiple podcast episodes ago. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's a couple, it's a laundry list. I don't. Margaret Robbie does a fine job as Harley Quinn. I don't find Harley Quinn like a. It's despite liking that show, I don't find her like a particularly compelling character. Um, in or this anything universe. in this universe, and yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, uh, and also, it was kind of like, what is she? Does she need to be in this movie? Yeah, you know, it kind of feels like the movie was written around her. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 they when they when when she signed on, they were like, all right, fine, put it in. It, 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 yeah, it just. Look, I mean, all the parts with her were mostly good. I kept waiting for there to be a joke with the whole, like, super accelerated love sequence between her and the bad guy. I kept waiting for, like, for them to, like, point out, like, that was pretty fucking weird, right? Um, They never did. Uh, But then she kills him and it was... (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, other than the, I can't believe there was a bullet in that gun joke, you know, um, 
and the action sequences with her were great. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah, also, she, apparently, I read that the scene where she gets the keys with her feet and unlocks a lock. Apparently, she did that like all in like you know herself, which was kind of cool. Um, um so, man, I like when I like when actors like playing their characters and are invested in them. Like that's so you can tell. I think on screen, and she's she is she's actually very believable in the action sequences. Yeah. Which is is one of the flaws with a lot of these, um, you know, a lot of these movies is that like, yeah, these people are they're, they're fine actors, but they just don't sell the action. And I know and I've, I've griped about this a lot before, and, and, and maybe it's because I, you know, I really like action movies, but like Jason Statham uh, can sell like when, when he's doing an action scene, you're like. Yeah, you're like fucking right. Like he's right. You, he sells it better. But then, like you're watching a Chris Evans action scene, and it's just like, all right, I, I see him. He's doing it. Yay, go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and some of that is people who do their own stunts, and some of it is just you know certain people just have a natural physicality. Tom Cruise is great for action scenes because it's just he just sells it better. And and John Cena sells action scenes great. He's he's but and but Margot Robbie did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, I don't know what this means and, you know, why this is a triumphant scene for her at this stage, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like this is a payoff for something I have not seen. Yeah. And, and I don't also, think it was particularly related to Birds of Prey, which I did not see, but. It, well, and I don't know how it could be, right? It just seems like, okay, she's killing a bunch of dudes. I get it. But why is it all of a sudden becoming very, like, you know, ballet and operatic and all of these flowers and all of that. And I'm like, what does any of that like mean other than it's cool? Yeah. Looks great. Also, I guess, I guess her powers are just good at karate. Basically. Which is okay. Great. Um, and that's fine. I don't, you know, I, I guess, but that's also the power of like most people on the suicide squad is just good at karate. <laughs> or um, good at shooting. Um, right, which is just a variation on good at karate. Yeah, I, I did like the uh, the sort of the Rick Flag. Is it peacekeeper or peacemaker? Peacemaker, peacemaker. Um, like I did like that. Like kind of that landed for me that whole sequence of like them disagreeing and fighting and, and that whole. Pe- but I thought that was a good that was a good action scene. Um, just like those those guys both sold the action for me and that and that yeah. stuff. The one thing that didn't land for me was outside of the initial fake quote unquote fake out beginning of the movie, um, which was great. I mean, it's just like all these big name actors, you know, and, and people and they're just like, eh, and they're all dead. Um, but I didn't like the constant use of that, uh, like five minutes earlier, 10 minutes, you know, like this, like going back. Yeah. I don't like that being used a lot. It feels lazy to me. I don't know why. Yeah. Like once is fine, you know, or like there's always an episode of a TV show where they do that. Right. Like it's just like trope. But to like do it multiple times in a movie was like an interesting choice, but I don't think it worked for me. I mean, I think that I think that either one. Well, I think the first one where we're doing the flashback to like the character introductions. I don't know that I needed that, honestly. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could have just I could have just learned who these people were as we went or we could have just done like obvious cutaways, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, just a, here's their 30 second. You know, we, we we do a freeze frame on their face, cut away from the action for 30 seconds to teach us who they are and then keep going. Um, we don't need to actually like flashback to them meeting in prison. It's not super necessary. Um, I mean, one of the things I think that in the second one, which is more like in the, the big action set piece at the end, I think it's an interesting approach because it lets you 
you don't have to break the the flow of one of your action scenes, right? Like the fight between Rick Flag and Peacemaker, like it's not interrupted, right? So that we can see what's going on with um, Bloodsport. Meanwhile, right? Yeah, it, you can. You don't have to cut away, which can be great because it lets you do that continuous action scene. Um, so again, like I kind of feel like either one of them makes sense. If I had to pick one to keep, I would keep the second one. Right. Mm. And just do the rewind to be like, all right. And here's how he got to this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I just didn't like, I think they did it like what, four times, I think. Yeah. They, and it's like, eh. A little too much. Yeah. It kind of reminds me actually of like, so I'm still working on the Witcher books for some reason. Uh, I just started the last one, so I'm I'm approaching the end. But those books do that all the fucking time. They basically was like constantly changing the framing device, but like not in a way that feels like, oh, this is like a interesting experimental way to frame narrative. And it's just like he just feels like he couldn't decide what he wanted to do. Right. And I just don't it just it just feels like it. It I get what you're saying about like not breaking up the action, but it felt like the opposite for me. It's just like. It felt like it pulled a lot of momentum out of the story and the movement for me. Well, and some of the times it can be like it can feel a little bit like who's in charge of the story here? Because it (laughs) it feels just like, all right, I I, boy, wouldn't it be great if so and so interrupted the fight to come help? Yeah, let's do that. How did he get there? Uh, I guess that's the next chapter, you know, as opposed to weaving it in more. So you start to overuse it. It feels just like, oh, okay, okay kind of see the seams here i kind of see how you wrote this and it's not really not really working right um yeah i mean i'm uh, i knew about the peacemaker show before you know we watched it and when he gets quote-unquote killed i was like oh i guess it's a prequel and then they had the post credit scene I'm like oh never mind but um i really like this like it's it's absurd and simplistic but john cena really nails a delivery on it and this was all about that character yeah he's I don't know how you like get over the heel turn, but um, but also I that's part of the general problem with this movie uh, is nihilism. Yeah. Yeah. Like a bunch of nihilists. It's hard to root for. Well, well, yeah, you know, and um, but also the movie's viewpoint is nihilistic, right? Because if um, you know, I understand if the characters don't care about certain things, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the movie's asking us to think about whether or not they should care about these things. All right, fine. But then um, what do these characters care about? And the answer is uh, nothing, maybe like so. And 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 what is the like the movie? The main characters of the movie murdered an entire village of good guys. <laughs> Who put up no fight, by the way. Also, it, this wasn't one of those like situations where they were sneaking in and the other guys opened fire and then it was a big firefight. And then, oh, shit, this was a big com- miscommunication. Like this was just a slaughter for yeah. show off purposes. Yeah. And then everybody's just like, huh? well, that's fucking funny. Right. And it's like, I mean, if the characters didn't care, but then the point of view of the movie may be expressed through side characters or whatever was like, Hey, it's fucked up that you did that. And it's even more fucked up that you don't seem to care that you did that. Right. But instead, the movie's just asking us to laugh and forget about it. And that kind of tells me like the movie doesn't really care about anything, you know? Yeah. Um, 
you know, you compare it to Guardians and like the movie cares about like friendship and family in the way that movies do. Right. Mm-hmm. And the the you know there are certain values that are expressed, but this movie just doesn't really seem to care about anything, and that is tough. You know, it's like who am I who am I rooting for, and why, and what 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 does any of this matter? You know, like hooray, we saved the the island, but it also kind of seemed like Starro would have been happy with just the island. <laughs> it kind of it kind of suggested that you know. It was like, this island is mine, right? And but it yeah. didn't say, this island is mine and America is next, right? Right. It, but we killed it anyway. And the movie, even though it did have its kind of sad farewell line, like the movie's kind of like, hey, wasn't it awesome how we killed that fucking starfish? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. What, so, like, what's the point? Like, what's the... What's right. the it's not to have, what, like, a message, but, like, what's no. the sort of... Uh, or is it purely, if it's purely just, like, absurdity, kind of a la Deadpool, like, did it nail that? I don't know. But see, that's the thing, though. Like, I don't think, but, like, if you, yeah, like, I think Deadpool's a good comparison, but, like, even Deadpool, like, um, Deadpool has has certain values, like, the, the character Deadpool, right? Mm-hmm. There's things he cares about, and, you know, he thinks he, you know, so when he's making a sacrifice, you know he's making a sacrifice. And when he's when he's doing something risky, you know what's at stake, you know, and, you know, you care about that in Deadpool, too. You care enough about Deadpool that, like, you kind of want to see him, like, get his life back together. Right. You know, and like get over the loss of uh, of of the girlfriend and like try to, you know, like find his place in the world after all that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he he has a like he has a clear desire to in Deadpool two like um prove cable wrong, right? And actually like save this kid who's gonna turn into the the big bad mutant, right? Mm-hmm. Like he wants that. That means something to him. So you're rooting for him and you understand what's at stake for him emotionally in any given scene. But like these characters is just like, oh no, Bloodsport won't get to see the kid he hates again. <laughs> Yeah, that was an interesting choice. Like you said, it's so it's it's almost, you know, referencing the first one was a very similar plot. I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm in here. I'm trying to make money for my kids and support my family from in prison or being a bad guy or whatever. And it's like having just him and his daughter scream fuck you at each other again, which is like maybe realistic, but it didn't make you feel particularly like you're rooting for blood sport. Right. And it's just like, oh, we don't want her to go to prison because it sounds like they're going to murder her in prison. And uh, I, I don't want kids being murdered, you right. know? And that's that's why we, the audience, are supposed to care about this after you show us that, like, oh, they have these characters have no relationship. They hate each other, you know? Yeah. So why do I care? The the one scene that did not land for me was when you see his daughter, like, watching him on TV fighting the monster and she gets Uh all, like, emotional. That's her dad. I'm just like, what? What? This didn't. I didn't. I didn't like that. Oh, he's he's doing a violence. So now now we're excited. Yeah. Like he's or he's doing guy? the obvious thing and fighting the fucking space kaiju. Like that's <laughs> fucking bare minimum. That's not heroism, man. That's just basic survival. Yeah. What did land for me was when they knocked out uh, Amanda Waller. That was like giving some of those tertiary characters some agency. Yeah. And, you know, I just love how like in just how fucking intense her performance is. Yes. Um, I, just something about that scene really worked for me. 
And also a little bit of like kind of like squaring up like some just weird like continuity, like like I don't want to call it plot holes because it's not. But like it's one of these things where like you have this and like seriously, she puts bombs in the heads of serial killers and releases them into the world and everybody's just fine with this. <laughs> right. Like everybody like all when I say everybody like all the people that like work for her. Right. You know, and like there's there, I think there's even a scene in the first one where she like. You know, it's kind of plot holy because it's like, wait, she just brought all these employees to this like secret location and then just like executed them all for no reason, <laughs> you know? And it's yeah. like, this is kind of like, really? This is what world does this take place in? And that, you know, kind of it it was a little cathartic when it happened, but also kind of like rectified that weirdness. Like, like nobody here is going to is going to is going to have a problem with this. This is just how business is done in this weird fucking DC world. Yeah, well, when, like, you know, the characters, all the red shirts in your, uh, you know, hyper-competent government facility are all just like, right away, boss, whatever, boss. Just yeah, like, let's, let's, let's go kill a bunch of, let's, let's send a bunch of fucking weasel monsters out into the world. That seems fine. <laughs> yeah, um, that thing was gross, by the way. Another great performance yeah. by Sean Gunn, motion capture. <laughs> just looking ridiculous. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but all that said, I mean, like, it's still a fun movie. Yeah, totally. totally. But it's still, I think, I think it fails at being a good movie. Um, it's fun, but but that's all it is, and um, I don't think it fixes the problems with the DC universe. No, I don't think it. Uh, you know, I I don't think it's like, oh, this is how they should be doing their movies from now on. You know, in the same way that like I don't want all the Marvel movies to be Deadpool. You know, right. Right. It's like, oh, this it, is. But also it's kind of weird. Like, you know, Deadpool worked because in a lot of ways it was a parody of all of the all of the Marvel movies that had come before a parody and a love letter. Right. And it was kind of earned, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's like, you know, like like they used to do them on TV, like the, the roasts, you know, Comedy Central roast of so and so. And when it was somebody who had like a long career and you watch like the roast of, you know, William Shatner, you're like, yeah. He's had some ups and downs and and there's a lot, a lot of good and some bad. And, all right. I can't wait to see these jokes versus like the roast of Justin Bieber. And you're like, what the fuck? That's what this felt like a little bit like. I don't think DC has had enough going for it yet where we can really like, ooh, now it's time to really we're going to really give ourselves the business with this movie. Right. You haven't and I don't that. think it was doing that too much, but yeah, it's also like, what do you where do you go from here? Like, it's just like you said, you can't like you can't turn the Deadpool model into the whole Marvel universe. You can't turn this model into your whole DC universe. I mean, you're you're kind of trying like I think Birds of Prey wasn't quite this egregious, but like had a similar kind of vibe. I haven't watched it. Mm-hmm. But then you've got like, sort of like the two hyper serious on the extreme other end. And I mean, it's almost like how um I mean, I felt I feel similarly to this. I have. My opinion has changed some on this, but like after I watched Thor Ragnarok, I felt kind of similar where it's just like this was just too many gags and too many like record scratches. Mm-hmm. And it, it detracts from the broader thing, you know, and I was like, if this is the direction that Marvel goes, you start coming into like it's just a comedy. Yeah. Or an action comedy, for lack of a term. Like, that's not really what I want. Um, That may just be a personal reference, but it's like, where do you go from here? Right. Like, do you make a, the Suicide Squad, too? And you just like do it again. Yeah. Just do this um, again. I don't see that working out so well. I mean, and, yeah, you know, and, and if DC wants, just wants to do just like 
semi-connected individual movies that are in different styles like that's fine i don't I, need an interconnected world i'm like all this. for it yeah i i mean i i'm not saying that like oh they need to square this continuity i'm 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 not saying that at all i just no 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 i didn't think you were that'd be i just the least the least great thing to say but <laughs> it's also just like but yeah it's it's part of this like i don't know like thor ragnarok also i feel like one of the reasons it worked was because like it was kind of like where it hit in the release schedule of all the Marvel movies. Like we could all use a little a little lightening up at this point, you know. Right. And it was for a character that kind of needed a slight reinvention, maybe. Yeah. And yeah. But if you would have followed that same, you know, I don't know. It, it has some of the same flaws for me, like for making the individual movie work, um, you know, and, and and squaring that up for me there but we don't do that here which is the, the positive yeah. piece and there's much more of a logic to to it right where it's like this is just kind of like a little bit like i don't know if this is really what we need right now you know mm-hmm. it's fine but in the broader context i don't really know that it's really anything yeah like, um, am i gonna go back and rewatch this like maybe if we're hanging out and we're drinking and we want to throw on a movie that we can laugh at a little bit like maybe but is it really the one we're probably gonna pick probably not yeah i mean i might i might you know pull up some of the action scenes on YouTube in a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably totally. the end of it. Totally. I'm, I mean, like, you know, where, what what do I want to see happen next? I don't know. I mean, like, at least, not like I super duper cared about Guardians, but like, at least in Guardians, you're like, all right, after Guardians 1, like, all right, maybe I'm invested in the Star-Lord-Gamora relationship. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I want to see Star-Lord get back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm I'm interested in the mystery of who his dad is, you know, like there's stuff there and it might might not be the most compelling or the most groundbreaking stuff, but it's stuff. But yeah. here I'm like, I don't give a shit about any of these characters. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know who lived. I mean, I guess Bloodsport's still around. I guess Ratcatchers lived King Shark, but I don't really care. Right. Ooh, got to see what they're up to next time. Like, not not really. Yeah. And that's and that's okay not to, but sure. it's it's you know it is interesting um interesting choice. I'm really just I'm curious to see how it uh I guess it didn't do particularly good in the box office because of like you know COVID and movies and whatever the fuck you know and on. also them just kind of like being like it's out just go see it I guess yeah totally like I just uh, I just turned on turned on I opened the HBO app I think to watch Rick and Morty and all of a sudden it was like you want to watch Suicide Squad I was like fucking guess I do. <laughs> i i am i mean i'm still not gonna go see it in theaters but i am curious what this flash movie is like i don't want, like it because it has the flash from that other movie i don't like mm-hmm. um but you know michael keaton is batman it's kind of weird yeah you know what though i mean just yeah i don't you ready to taint another beloved franchise by tying it into something else <laughs> look i mean yeah i'd like to see michael keaton's Bruce Wayne again, but like, I also feel like it's probably going to be a scene, you know, it's, it's not like it's, this is going to be the whole movie, right? I don't know. I have no idea. All I know is that Flash is in it, a version of Supergirl's in it, Ben Affleck's Batman is it, is in it, and Michael Keaton's mm. Batman is in it. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of 50-50, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's some kind of Flashpoint story, I guess. Uh, but... I'm just, I'm already a neg, major negative. So I just really just do not like that version of the Flash in any way whatsoever. No, and I, I'm, I'm anything that, anything that's linked to the Snyder um, <laughs> movies is just, I don't know how I'm going to like it, man. Uh, I mean, it's not like I'm like a, I mean, honestly, I don't think, 
I don't think if there's anything Zack Snyder can do now that's going to change my mind about Zack Snyder. But like, I'm just like, I don't like this whole this whole vibe is not for me. Mm-mm. I have no investment in these characters. I have no investment in this universe. This is just I mean, this might as well be fucking a My Little Pony movie as in, as far as <laughs> like the, the, the amount of shits I give about it, you know? Yeah. 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 But I mean, overall, like you said, I, I like su- the Suicide Squad. It was fun. Yeah. Um, fun in a stupid, fun kind of way, but fun. Some clever things, too. Yeah. Um, some good performances, good action scenes. Uh, I watched them. Um, I've been enjoying those like pitch meeting YouTube videos. Yeah. And this one, they did a good gag. And they, and the, like, the exactly was like, so what color is the big beam going to be? And he's like, well, I was actually thinking we do like a giant, you know, space, you know, monster, like a big, you know, starfish from a different dimension. Like, no, come on. We always do the giant beam. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm glad it was something, a different kind of climax than yeah, we're used to I, and, and bold in that choice. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I realize it's been a, I like, I, I don't think we've seen a giant monster destroying a city in one of these movies. Been a while. I'm into it, it. Yeah. Has it really, it's really happened in any of them. Also, that's too many rats. That was too many rats for one city. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was far too many rats. Far too many rats. Um, I was just really nervous that like the cute one with the backpack was going to die. But he didn't, and that was no. okay with that. that no, they're not going to kill Rocket. A line I too mean, far. Wait, was it Rocket? No. No. No, no, this is a different movie. <laughs> I forget what his name was. Sebastian? That's what it was. It was Sebastian. Um, but yeah, so also I like how all the tanks and bullets and things don't affect the starfish, but that Lance does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to nitpick that kind of stuff. It's fine. No, but, but it's also like, I guess they're like, oh, it's a magic javelin. For some reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be. I'm sure it probably is in the canon that I'm not familiar with because smartly they took a bunch of C and D characters and showed them the movie, which is good. But um, who was your favorite uh, castaway beginning of the movie? I wanted to ask you, like, who was your favorite, uh, you know, meat for the meat grinder? Hmm. I kind of like who was the, the, the orange girl. Oh, uh, fuck. I don't remember her name was. Uh mongol or something like yeah that. i think it was like, mongol I, I love how like how she tried to like pull a helicopter out of the air which is just like standard superhero movie stuff and and i think it was i don't know if it was harley or whoever but they were like no don't do that <laughs> and she just like did it just like touches immediately died like yeah. just i i like that gag of you know that's not how things work <laughs> i mean it, it you can't think about it for more than a second but I thought that was funny. Yeah. How about you? Um, it's probably the 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 low hanging fruit, but I I really did like uh you know Nathan Fillion's TDK with his arms. Yeah. Um, that was something else. Like, yeah, how did anybody think this was gonna work? <laughs> and just the scene of like his arms getting pumped full of bullets, and he's just laying across the beach, just yeah. writhing in pain. Uh, played it well. He reminds me of the um, had a similar vibe to like the uh in the Harley Quinn show. One of the characters is Kite Man, and he's just like kind of a doofus douche, but also not um, kind of had a similar vibe to that character that made me think of that uh, that connection. But yeah, and I also just liked um I actually wasn't I didn't even think I remember that, you know, a character from the first movie was in this movie, a.k.a., you know, Jai Courtney's Captain Boomerang, but then just got immediately turned to guts by a helicopter blade. Yeah, which you would have thought they maybe would have kept him around. But yeah. So I guess so one other thought on this movie. Do you know the Rick and Morty episode with the Vindicators? 
mm-hmm. and how the Vindicators are this like jokey parody of basically the Avengers and all mm-hmm. the superhero, you know, big convoluted stuff. And Suicide Squad feels like it's a Vindicators movie, but doesn't understand the joke of the Vindicators. <laughs> mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. like it's making fun of. It's trying to make fun of something that it doesn't understand. I don't know. Or it, I don't know. It doesn't. It's it, it it's kind of taking the piss out of the DC movies, but doesn't really know how. So it just yeah, it's not a direct takedown in the way that kind of Deadpool like directly takes down specific things. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Or, it's more or, just like generically taking it down, but not but not enough to like really double down. I'm not sure. It's kind of like almost like one foot in, one foot out takedown. Right. But it, it, it's the Vindicators, but without Rick and Morty there to to comment on how lame the vindicators are right uh yeah i i guess i think that um one broader point is like i just don't really get the appeal of suicide squad like i get the place that it occupies within like the greater canon but it seems like it's become one of dc's like go-to things it's like we had a couple of animated movies. We have the live action show. We have a video game coming out. We have a live action movie. We have an, a video game coming. I think two video games coming out about them. Like there's a board game coming out about the Suicide Squad. Like it's like, is this one of these things like stop trying to make Suicide Squad work? Like, I, I don't know. It's just like, is it too much? Is it because of the problems? Like you said, like the nihilism and the they're just they're not antiheroes. They're villains, like truly. And it's hard to make me care about like. Because a lot of the there's not there's okay so I'll put it this way I feel like there are way less sympathetic villains in the DC universe than there are in the Marvel universe partially because most of them are Batman villains and kind of psychopaths mm-hmm. or they're like goofy right they're not you know Marvel villains tend to be tragic right there's some reason they you know they're the hero of their own story they're tragic they're too smart right. for their own good they've had a you know whatever. Where, but DC villains are all like bank robbers and hitmen. <laughs> yeah, bank robbers, hitmen, serial killers. Yeah, or like evil capitalists. Right, basically it's, it's, sums it up. Or aliens. Um, like, there's nothing tragic about Lex Luthor. There's nothing tragic about Sinestro. There's nothing tragic about Joker. It's just like they're just bad guys. And right. Whereas, almost in a way, where like Thunderbolts, you know, which is the version in Marvel, can like kind of work because. You have a bunch of characters who are like a little more gray, anti-hero, tragic, whatever. Yeah. Where here's just like, well, all these people just seem like bad people. And they just like the idea, like though they're on these missions where they don't care about them is like kind of cool. But like you can only milk that so long before it just be, doesn't really have any legs. Right. There's only so many stories you can tell here. Right. Um, because there's, you know, you can, you know, uh, uh, you know, you can have somebody on the team is going to betray us. Right. OK. Yep. Because you're bad guys, so there's probably somebody on the team who's not, like, an anti-hero. They're just a villain, right? All right. So you can only surprise me with that so many times. Um, you can, you know, and it's like, well, if you're this expendable force of, like, you know, you're always doing some kind of, like, thing that the government doesn't want people to know about, right? So we're always going to be doing that thing of, like, who's the good guys here, right? Mm-hmm. So I just feel like you're kind of limited here. Um, and if it's all criminals getting redeemed, once they're redeemed, what's next? <laughs> right. right. Um, you know, you can only do so many like, you know, one last job type stories. 
And you can only do like the like, oh, you know, if you, you know, you're you're on the suicide squad now. And if you do this one mission, then we'll give you your freedom. It's like, okay, well, they're free now. So not going to bring them back. Right. Right. It's just it's it's so limited. Um, Now, honestly, a really interesting suicide squad would be or better yet. Let's 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 do Thunderbolts. Let's do the Marvel version where you take all these villains from movies we've seen over the last 10 years and do a team up with them. Right. Like it's, you know, um, all these guys that we only got to see for like 10 minutes in their respective movies, but we loved them. And boy, I wish we got to see more Mads Mikkelsen and Doctor Strange. Well, guess what? Now you can because now Mm -hmm. he's on the Thunderbolts. Um, That would be cool because we would, you know, we we would understand these characters a little more. We'd be kind of eager to see them and we wouldn't have to like spend half the movie introducing them. (laughs) Um which is something that one of the reasons Fast and the Furious is so successful is because they introduce cool villains played by big stars and then they're just on the good guys team the next movie. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's a good guy now because he's fun. Um, yeah, I don't know how you make more Suicide Squad movies, but I think the problem is, is DC's finding out like, ah, shit, this is what's working. How do right. I make this into a thing? Right. Because once they're the heroes, you lose that like bad boy you know, kind of hot topic style uh, taboo thing. Like, ah, these are the crooks going after the, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, I think that's part of why to go back to kind of your earlier, like the earlier vibe year, I think you're having a little trouble discussing or describing about this is just like, does the stakes for the characters feel muddled? Right. It's like, well, they're, they're either bad guys or they're good guys. Right. And they start the movie as bad guys. So we don't care about them. And then sometimes they die and it's funny, but then they're good guys then. But then are we supposed to be feeling bad that they're still in prison? Like it just makes you feel like you're not sure how you're supposed to feel about them and not in like a, Ooh, it's just so complex. It's just like, no, I just don't know who I'm rooting for. Right. Also, it's like not to get like, I know how you describe this, but it's like, there isn't, there's a different ending in that movie that is like, it would never happen because you would just miss out on, I mean, you can structure it differently, but like there's a different movie where like, they just like, you know, Starro comes out and they're just like, yeah, fuck that. Superman can fight him. We're out. Like, and just like they leave and the Justice League shows up and it's yeah. like, peace. Like, I'm out of here. Like, that's what we don't fuck with that shit. Like, not just like, you know, it's going to happen. They're like, oh, you know, they're all going to turn around and go fight for some reason. They have no reason to want to do that, I guess, except for like themselves, right. each other. But like, that's, I think it's hard to earn sometimes. It, and this movie did not earn it. Right. Um. Well, and other movies have have done this idea of like the team of villains Uh. And one of the ways you make it work, and so my reference here is Reservoir Dogs. Um, Like, you know, they're all bank robbers, but some of them are like one of them is an undercover cop. So, you know, he's good, but also he's conflicted because he's had to do some fucked up shit in order to keep his cover. So, you know, his morality is a little gray. And then you've got some guys on the team who are like, yeah, they're career criminals, but maybe they've got a little bit of a code of honor, right? The old school guy who, you know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't shoot women and kids or whatever. Um, and then you've got some guys on the team who are like, oh, no, he's just a fucking psychopath, right? And part of the movie is figuring out who all these people are, you know, mm-hmm. and realizing like within this crew of criminals who are like actually evil people versus, you know, somebody who's just they've had to live a life of crime because of, you know, and you learn that as you go. And part of the tension is not really understanding 
you know, you as the viewer, you don't know who to trust as you go through the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, that would be a great way to do this. But these movies don't really do that. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, they're all just either like good guys or they do a heel turn later. Right. It's there's not really shades of gray in between. Right. Especially these versions of these characters. Right. Right. Like, oh, Harley's just like, oh, yeah, I guess she like got manipulated by a bad boyfriend into being a mass murderer. And that's OK. Right. Like um, that's that's a character I don't really understand at all. She's like, what is just like she's a less violent version of the Joker, I guess, but not still. And right. She just she only defines herself as not the Joker, which makes her inherently less violent. But also, she seems to not really give a shit about anything. It is hard right. to root for a character like that. I feel like. Yeah, and and that's I think that's you know uh, just a big problem with with the Suicide Squad. Just milieu is like yeah who what do these people care about and, and loki had a has a similar problem to, yeah to, it's to the same thing up yeah it's just like well what does he want and why do i want that for him you know it, it well and, and there's just like just this like kind of classic just like basic skeleton of storytelling is the character has something they want and the character has something they need the character at the beginning of the movie knows what they want and we as the audience know what they need. And the general arc is the character realizing that what they want is not what they need, right? Loki, there's a little bit of that, like, he wants glory and power, but what he really needs is, like, understanding and acceptance. Maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And the, the, the course of the show should be him reconciling those things. Giving up the dream for glory and you know, going instead for acceptance. But like, you don't get that with any of the Suicide Squad characters. It's like, well, what does what does Bloodsport want? Uh, he wants his daughter not to get murdered in prison. What does he need? He needs his daughter to not get murdered in prison. And what does he have to do to accomplish that? He has to go kill a lot of people on an island. Does he have any like objections to that? Not really. <laughs> he, in fact, he's kind of psyched. You know. Yeah. So it you you have that like just that struggle of like what is. What do I, what are they, what, what, what is their motivation? Why are they doing this other than they have to because the plot tells them they have to? Right. Oh, and by the way, they're, they have remote controls. So if they change their mind, like they can't change their mind. There's no tension here. Mm-hmm. You know, like one of the things that like would really make these movies like kind of interesting is if like you watch a character refuse an order on moral grounds and then get their head exploded, you know? Yeah. We'll get that. They never object on moral grounds. No. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, hypothetically, that was what was quote unquote coming at the end, but it wasn't actually going to happen. So it's right. Smooth, right. And that's a moment, right? That mm-hmm. like, but we also kind of know from, uh, we also kind of know from, uh, just cause we know we're watching a movie. Uh, we know that it's not, they're not going to get their head, heads exploded, but, um, but also like that moment is robbed of a little bit of, its potential power because like the movie hasn't really done anything up until that point to like make me think they wouldn't do this. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like they've been selfish pricks this entire time. I mean, a little bit they have, but not in a way where like, I'm actually surprised and happy for them when they decide to do the right thing. Right. Because wasn't that also kind of what they were doing when they decided to save the hard drive? Didn't they kind of already have their let's do the right thing and damn the consequences moment? When yeah. They, when they did that? 
Yep. Yeah. yeah no, he said you can only have so many heal turns before it's like, well, what are we doing? Right. Were you redeemed then or are you redeemed now? Right. You know, which is a similar problem, except for Loki, where it's like, you know, are you what Loki are you and what do you want? And right. It seems like, you know, the arc that Loki Prime had in, you know, the movies up to this point was like a pretty decent one. It's like a slow redemption arc kind of at the end of Ragnarok. He's like, okay, maybe he's not lawful good, but he's, you know, not evil anymore. But then it's like Loki variant. It's like, well, you kind of can seem to be oscillating back and forth between the two. And once again, not in the way that's like, oh, he's just a complex character. It's just like, no, it's just like a uh, inconsistent characterization. Right. We're just going to go. We're just going to do this same thing again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just with slightly different stimulus this time. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But still fun. Yes. It's again, all fun. I, I, I have I, I it's a fun movie. It's just a bad movie. Well, I, I don't know if I'd call it a bad movie. No, it's I, just I think a, it's too harsh to say it's a bad movie. It's I just think it's not a great movie. movie. It's just it's fine. It's like a it's like a it's like a million other things that are fine. And, you know, and that's that's, that's you know, that's great to a certain extent. But I'm refusing to like let the fact that DC has released almost nothing but absolute garbage water up until this point make me grade them on a curve, right? This is a fine movie and it would be a fine movie if it was preceded by a bunch of good movies and it would be a fine movie if it was preceded by the garbage water that it was preceded by. But totally. I think a lot of people give this and they give the Snyder cut, they they they're definitely grading it on a curve and I don't think that's fair yeah uh actually this is funny because it's the exact opposite of what um in sanderson's podcast they're talking about black widow that they grade you know the mcu stuff and i probably tend to as well like on a reverse curve where it's like well maybe some of the individual movies aren't the strongest and if it was just by itself i probably would be forgettable but because it's part of a larger whole i tend to view it a little more favorably so it's kind of the opposite of that we really should just judge it by itself right but uh, I mean, it's it's tough, especially when it's like, oh, this movie is like absolutely like an integral part of the larger series. You know, mm. like I feel like, yeah, you got to judge The Last Jedi in the light of the other Star Wars movies. It's a piece of a bigger of a bigger story in a way that like maybe Rogue One isn't. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like that context, I think, changes you know, I, so I guess what I'm saying is, like, I don't think you need to judge Black Widow in the light of other Marvel movies necessarily, but you definitely need to judge Infinity War as a part of the beggar piece, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I will also just one quick side note that uh, picked up that I can tell from a couple of comments he made that Sanderson fucking hates the sequel, like any any of the sequel movies. And I'm like, that's great. <laughs> well, he's right on two out of three. Yeah. 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 Uh, but um, anyway, yeah, All well, right. we did it, well, dude. We recorded. I think we did. Now I just have to edit it and release it. Yeah, which uh, I can do it. I swear. Are you sure? I'm. I'm sure. Do I we still? Do did we? Did we ever? Did we release the last uh, one? I um, we will. We will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel so bad about that one. I just keep forgetting. No, no, we don't. It's. It's been a weird time for everybody. Yes. It manifests itself in ways that doesn't make sense, I feel like. And it's kind of a cop out, but it's also true. So stick and buy. Yes. All right, guy. Well, um, let me know before you watch any Ava movies, because I might want to just watch them again. Okay. And who am I saying might? I want to watch them again. It's just a matter of timing. Yep. 
I know. All right, buddy. See you later. See ya.